0: Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, and you're listening to TrekMate.
1: We are TrekMate. Lower your life, for lives, time. Your enthusiasm and passion on the project will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. Space.
0: The final frontier. These are the voyages of the TrekMate podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain enlighten, educate, and talk all things trick to boldly go where no podcast has gone before.
1: Make it so.
2: Prepare to attack, all-hands battle station.
3: Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. All I
0: ask is a tall ship and a star. I don't want excuses, I want answers.
2: Am I authorized to enter the mutual zone? How what do you think that
0: tells me
3: about your
1: character?
2: Captain's
3: Log Stardate
1: 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when
4: ready.
3: Hello and welcome to Trekmate. My name's Mark Stamper.
4: And my name's Michael Clark. Hello, Mike. Hi Mark, long what? time though no speak.
3: It, it has been a little while, hasn't it? What on earth are you doing here?
4: <laughs> oh I know. I, I was really really chuffed to get a call to come on and be on the main show. It's always good to sort of come back to where it all started.
3: Absolutely. So I think this is your it's only your second appearance. Yeah, it's is. Right? is that right. I think about about a week or so before the Podathon I think was your first uh, appearance on the main show. Is that right? That's
4: right. I think I think it's either either this is the second or it's the third, but it's not many. But um no, it's always nice to come on, thank you.
3: Excellent, excellent. So how how have you been? How how's your week been?
4: Yeah, it's not too bad. Um I think we're one of the few places in the UK that haven't got any snow today, so um we've just had really heavy rain and nothing settling all through the night it was heavy rain, so yeah. not too bad.
3: Yeah, so for everyone outside of the UK, the snow apocalypse has hit. Our green and pleasant land has become a white and rather quite pretty land actually so uh, oh, yeah. we've had a, we probably had about i'd say about four or five inches of snow here so i woke up this morning it was quite heavy we'd already had a warning Kirsty had had a, a warning text yesterday saying that the school might be closed so i'd already arranged to work from home today i'm, I'm lucky enough i can do yeah. that so uh yes the, the kids school closed so i was at home uh working at home today but uh, that wasn't too bad so uh, yeah there's quite a lot of snow out there so tomorrow it's going to be i think snowmen and sledging we b- we oh. actually bought a sledge last winter when they were on sale ex- anticipating loads of snow and we didn't really have much snow last year so uh, we're going to finally get to use them this week
4: well yeah we've definitely got more than than last year and i think the snow's hit earlier so perhaps we're in for a, a bit of a colder winter for the next month or so
3: yeah well it's it's just typical isn't it and um my daughter's already getting excited her birthday's on the 4th of february and she's you know, she's already anticipating snow because for a couple of years we have had a little bit of snow on her birthday. And she says it always snows on my birthday. And it's like, well, actually, snow's quite unusual, but the last sort of two, three years we have actually had quite a lot here. So, yeah, she she is anticipating snow in early February.
4: Oh, you never know. It's just so unpredictable now, isn't it? Yeah,
3: absolutely, absolutely. So, but uh, yeah. Any, anything else been happening
4: mike oh not much i've been keeping busy with 10 forward and the holodeck so yes, yes, that's that all pair. fun they're going quite well so um we've got we're bringing guests on and, and that's really good we've had a few interviews with comic artists and comic writers and this year we've got a few more planned and uh 10 forward we've got a few special things coming up and uh that's really good so yeah just been really busy but how about yourself in general?
3: Uh, yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. Um, my my bathroom's nearly done.
4: Yeah, I saw a tweet today, a picture. It looks really good.
3: Yeah, it's almost complete. So they're going to come round and finish all the little bits on on Monday. Uh, we got so we got a nice new shower with a nice cubicle over the bath, but it's not going to be ready until Monday. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Actually, it does look really nice. So, um, that that that's really cool. So quite excited about that. It'd be nice to have my house back and have have the bathroom finally done.
4: Well, yeah, definitely. Have you had to leave the builders in while you've been at work and everything? Then
3: yeah, we've had to leave them, um, but that, that's quite good actually because you can just get out of their way. They don't like you being in the house too much, and to be honest, you don't really want to be in the house when they're uh, they're drilling and you know demolishing part of your house. So uh, it wasn't wasn't too bad today actually. It wasn't too bad at all. So uh, that's oh. good. They actually made it here as well because they they uh, live about ten miles away, a little bit out in the sticks. But he did manage to to make it here, so that that that, that you know that's a good thing.
4: Oh, that's really good.
3: So, anyway, after that little catch-up, I think it's time for the news.
4: Now it's time for Star Trek News. Brought to you by TrekMateFamily.com
3: TrekMateFamily.com Bringing you the latest Trek news as and when it happens. Yes, and it is time again for the news, so there's a few little bits out there this week now on we're recording this on the eighteenth of January, but on the sixteenth of January, we have another Star Trek anniversary. It was uh, the eighteenth birthday of Star Trek Voyager.
4: How quick has that gone by?
3: I know it's amazing. Um, there is a little bit more on this later, uh, just a little spoiler our topic of the week, considering the birthday is going to be Voyager. Now, it's only a few weeks ago that we did the, the Deep Space Nine uh, topic because it was 20 years old, but 18 years since Voyager. Now, I remember... We will talk about this later, but I do remember actually watching it for the first time, so... I can't I mean, believe it's I can't believe it's gone that quickly.
4: No, it has it has gone it has gone really quick and I think that's the that's the thing with TNG DS9 and Voyager because they were so quickly one after the other mm. these sort of anniversaries just come around so quick don't they.
3: Yeah, and that's it the 90s was the real golden age of Star Trek yeah. wasn't it. I mean they, they were just, really there was running. just they, they were running in parallel there was just yeah. so much Trek on TV it was it was awesome but Yeah. I
4: mean,
3: we need to get back to those days.
4: Definitely, it needs to be back on telly.
3: Definitely definitely. But anyway, um, so Voyager was 18 years old, but more on that later. And I did did just want to uh, do a little promo for the the Sci-Fi Ball, which is coming up on the 8th to the 10th of February. And of course, there will be five of us from the Checkmate family will be attending. So we've got um, Paul Finch, we've got Adam Howes, and we've got Emma from the um, previously in the Alpha Quadrant podcast. And we've got myself, and we've got Paul Drinkwater from Checkmate. All going to, uh, all having a little road trip down to Bournemouth to uh, the Cypher Ball, And uh, hopefully we're going to be able to uh, have some interviews with some of the stars. So we've got Armin Shimmerman in attendance, which I'm, I'll be really excited if I can talk to Armin Shimmerman. And uh, we have Max Grudenchik as well, who apparently is a really, really fun guy. So I'm I'm looking forward to meeting him. And of course, we do have as well the lovely Chase Masterson.
4: She gets around, doesn't she? Not literally, but she does.
3: Yeah, she 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 does get around in a lot of a lot of the conventions so I'm just wondering if she'll actually remember us from Star at london I, ho- I hope so I think,
4: oh, I she, think probably, she will
3: I think she probably will so it'd be really nice yeah. to to meet up with chase again so um if for, for more details of that event um you can head on over, over to sfbevents.com and uh, have a look at the schedule now remember this is a not for profit event and it is run for a um a teenage cancer charity so Head on over there. If you're not, if you're able to make it, or even if you're not able to make it, you know, put a little bit of money in their pot. You know, every little bit helps. It is for a very very worthwhile cause. And during the event, you can expect that uh, the five of us will be taking lots of photos, and we'll be blogging and posting podcasts, and maybe even maybe even a few video podcasts as well. So uh, ha- look out for that very soon.
4: That's brilliant. Sounds like you're all going to have a great time.
3: I oh, know. I'm really looking forward. It's going to be a much lower key event than Star Trek London but I think it's going to be it's going to be really good fun you know if only if only just for a few of us to get together again and just sort of geek out and have a nice little tricky holiday
4: no that'd be brilliant
3: and the road trip down is going to be really fun as well so there'll be Paul Drinkwater is going to drive from Hemel he's going to drive down to Brighton he's going to pick up Adam Paul and Emma from Brighton then he's going to drive over here to Andover and then we're going to go down to Brighton so there's about an hour and a half in the car so I think you can probably expect a little impromptu on the go podcast (laughs) to be recorded in the car on the way there which will be quite good fun so um, I'm sure you'll you'll, you know we'll probably release that on probably the Friday or the Saturday just to warm you up for the event
4: no it's going to be brilliant can't wait for that
3: yeah no I'm really looking forward to that oh great fun is there any uh, other news out there Mike?
4: only one one piece of news our friends uh, Sam and Carol the Trekkie girls yes they've they've started this week um, trying to convince the powers that be at Paramount to um, host the world premiere of star trek into darkness here in london that would be cool um, yeah they, 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 they're pushing for it they've got three main reasons reason number one the film features um obviously a london in london i should say in yeah. the 23rd century lots of british talent in the film obviously we've got benedict cumberbatch simon pegg um alice eve and also we've got um noel clark who was in doctor who yes he was. so quite a lot of british talent and finally british trek fandom is at an all-time high things like obviously um destination star trek london and things like that just shows that over here in the uk um we celebrate star trek just as much as anyone else and and the girls feel that now's the time for the premiere to be here in the uk as well
3: no no that that will that would be really nice um I hope they can actually manage to pull it off. I'm not sure how far in advance they plan these things, but it's it's a worthwhile course. So you can head on over to their website at com. and you can also uh, spread the word on Twitter using the hashtag hash London4IntoDarkness, and that's a number four. So hash London number four into darkness.
4: Let's
3: see, let's see if we can make it happen. That would be cool.
4: Well, you know the girls, they always... Um have surprises and uh they they made had a major coup getting getting into the first nine minutes didn't they which was wonderful yeah
3: yeah, the yeah, yeah they, they did and they did get to uh interview uh benedict cumberbatch and alice Eve, which was which was really cool so if you haven't uh seen those videos then Head on over to their website at trekkygirls dot com and give give them a watch. They're they're really interesting.
4: They are, especially um, Carol's reaction when Sam's interviewing Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's just, hilarious.
3: She just gets totally geeked out. She? She's just like, yeah. "I'm freaking out." Yeah, she looks really <laughs> nervous. But I, you know, it was like when I met Patrick Stewart and when you met Patrick Stewart as well in oh, yeah. London. It was just like, um, "I'm stood next to Patrick Stewart. What do I say?" Um, no, exactly I think I've just wet my pants
4: <laughs> yeah. oh dear oh, that brings back memories
3: it certainly does it certainly does so uh not not too much exciting stuff out on 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 the news there this week mm. so that means it's time for this at aurora here hey, great. Time for
1: events. on the track me
3: Yes, and hailing frequencies are open. Now, we have an email here, and this is from a, a new listener, and his name is Wayne Emery. So I think this is the first <laughs> time we've ever had an email from from uh, from Wayne himself. So uh, obviously Wayne has been off, you know, he's taken a little bit of a leave of absence. Um, you know, family commitments have to come first. So he's listened to the last couple of pods, and he sent us some feedback. So I'll just read that now. And he says, hi, guys. I've just listened to this week's pod and wanted to drop you a line. It was a great show. Brilliant to see Matt back and share his love of uh, the score of Trek with us all. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's proved to be a really popular section already.
4: No, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And like the pod a it it gets such a good response, doesn't it? The music of Star Trek.
3: And we have another one of those coming up. Uh, It says, Paul and Emma were a great guest, and I really enjoyed your conversations on future Replicators. I think you nailed it on the head. Technology will save us. There are enough resources in the world for everyone to live comfortably. All we need to do is get rid of this stupid, archaic concept of money. It means nothing and has no real value. If money is eradicated, then it won't cost billions to go to Mars. We'll just do it better. We will just do it to better ourselves and our race. Well, I mean that's the real sort of Star Trek vision, isn't it? Because oh, I've, I've, I've always had that thing with money because it doesn't, it doesn't really represent anything, does it?
4: No, no, I'd, just I'd, greed, I suppose. I mean I've, mean, I've never,
3: I've never, I've never studied economics, but the whole thing really does confuse me. So, yeah, you know, I, I just don't get it.
4: Really, no, nor me. No, it's got to be a better system.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I said last week. I mean, the whole capitalism thing is just, is just rubbish. And you know, if we could manage to master replicators and everyone can just have, you know, more or less whatever they need, then. You, you could focus your life on on other things and that's the well, that's it. so you know i like i said last week i reckon within 50 years of food replicator once we can just produce food for ourselves then yeah
4: that's it basically. big difference well it was on the news last week that um Half the world, half the world's food is wasted. It's just thrown away, whether it be um, UK, US, and it's just amazing how much food's actually thrown away. Yeah. And if we had replicators, then obviously it all gets recycled. You can put it back in, and wouldn't have half of the half of this trouble. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So, anyway, Wayne continues. Glad to hear uh, Paul Finch stick up for my point of view. The Doctor is definitely not sentient, and neither is that toaster. Now, wait, <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly what Paul was saying. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm, this
4: argument will ever get settled.
3: No, I think we have to have a... Um, I think at some point in the future we'll have to resurrect the uh, debate trek on 10 forward.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I'll have
3: to come on versus Wayne about the whole sentience of data thing. But mind you, it would probably be pointless because I'd win it anyway.
4: <laughs> i think what would have to do is if you came on 10 forward and had this um debate whatever decision cena or myself come up with or jackie or or matt then you guys have to live with it i think and then the de- then it has to be over once and for all
3: i'd win though wouldn't i <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's confidence for you
3: <laughs> i'd win definitely yeah Anyway, so Wayne continues, I loved uh, Paul Drinkwater's explanation for Spot. I did enjoy that, actually. I had a vision of Data constantly killing cats and Geordie having a cargo container full of cats with Geordie trying to save his graces by replacing the dead Moggy before anyone else notices. (laughs) That being said, though, Mr. Drinkwater, when you were reinstated as a full-time co-host, you made an oath. You have broken that oath. Though as you were not quite as badly behaved as we have previously seen, you will not be demoted. However, please take this as a warning and as punishment, please choose one bollock to a, to place in the G-clamp <laughs> until Mark sees fit to release you. Keep up the great work, guys. I miss you all. Aww. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I yeah, you know, Paul was a little bit tiddly. He was, by no means was he as, as bad as he was. Uh, we actually finished record. We started recording that podcast at about 8.30 p.m. We finished by about 11 when Adam jumped on. And then uh, we were chatting on Skype for another two hours. We were chatting till one wow. in the morning, and Paul got steadily worse and worse. So <laughs> I, I'd actually stop recording as soon as we finished recording the pod. I I stopped the um, you know the little recorder software yeah. that we use. So there was a whole load of stuff there that didn't even get recorded. So I, I actually sort of wish I'd recorded some of it, so I could have put it in in the bloopers. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun show to record.
4: No, it was a great great show last week. Yeah, really good fun
3: yeah and just incidentally uh, yeah obviously Paul isn't with us this week he, he couldn't make this recording so it's the drivel of Mike and I
4: oh well, yeah I think they're used to us by now though hopefully
3: yeah I think so I think so definitely so uh, that that's the email from Wayne uh, but we have had some uh, good feedback At, actually Wayne it was nice that's the first email ever so it was really nice to hear from you so uh, thank yeah. you for that and new time listener
4: and write again soon
3: yes indeed send us another email after this show yeah. But we have had lots of good uh, feedback on our last episode, so uh, we'll just go through that now. Okay, so some feedback on our forum, and our first post is from the Czech Knitter, also known as Gail Gerrard. Hello, Gail. And she says, Oh, my lord, y'all made me laugh so hard. You'd think I'd know better than to try and knit while listening to y'all, because y'all made me laugh so hard sometimes. But let's just say it's a very good thing indeed that I wear glasses or would have stabbed myself in the eyes with my (laughs) double-pointed sock needles y'all I, I love that y'all thing i really i i you know I, I listen to a lot of the podcasts where the americans are on i just love that y'all thing y'all simply must have paul finch on more often he was hysterical as was miss emma miss emma. <laughs> emma i mean I, I, I soon to be soon to be mrs finch of course
4: yeah may the 4th it's may not the 4th. long to go
3: yeah may the 4th be with you yeah,
4: yeah. that's going to come around very quick for them
3: it will it will come very, very quick and uh yeah, I will be in in attendance at the wedding, so I'm very much looking forward to that.
4: And me too. Becky and I are coming up to Edinburgh too, so that should be really oh, you're good coming, fun. Oh, you're
3: coming as well? Awesome.
4: Yeah, we're coming too, so yeah, that's really good. We're, we're looking forward to that. We've never been to Scotland, so this should be wonderful.
3: Yeah, I mean, although I grew up in Northumberland, which is practically, well, it's right on the border with Scotland, so I lived about 50, 60 miles from Scotland, I only actually went into Scotland once. I've been to Edinburgh, went to the zoo. Uh, they've got a really good zoo there and then did go into edinburgh so yeah i'm looking forward to going back and Kirsty's never been either so uh
4: should be great fun yeah
3: we're really looking forward to that it's going to be really good fun
4: yeah so um our next forum posting is from queen cat blue of known as cena from 10 forward and she says yeah i know what you mean i should know better by now not to listen to any trekmate show while working out nearly fell over laughing while listening to the podcast
3: <laughs> well thank you for that cena we love you yeah we do and uh next up we have a uh, a little post there from uh from QB also known as Matt Warwick of course who who did our uh who who does our music section he says great episode had a big smile on my face during my drive to work this morning i thought the music section was particularly good as well well it was matt it was matt and you did a really good job i know i've uh, recorded i've actually you know, pre-recorded several of those with Matt, and he was really nervous about doing it. And I, I think he's done a really good job on it. And it it is quite nervous the first time you you actually do this. I mean, I think when you first, what was the first show you were on, Mike? Was it?
4: It, it, it was previously. previously? and yeah. i was really quiet and nervous and um we we've got a guest coming on soon on 10 forward and I, so i've been listening to a couple of previous shows from the beginning and i just can't believe the difference between now and then and you are you you just feel so you're so self-conscious yeah when you're well, doing your first know, couple of shows
3: i know that was it because i've been podcasting for a little over a year now i mean full time from about the end of february but the first time you you, you do it you're like really really scared about it but you know, once once we all get to know each other, it's just like getting on. It's just like getting on the phone and talking to your mates, isn't it? And you, you, oh, just yeah. you just don't. You do just. You know, you don't even think about it. So, you no, know, Matt. As I said to him last night when I was recording, no, you don't need to worry. I think he's been doing a fantastic job, and you know, like I said, there's no one better to talk to about the music of Star Trek than Matt, because.
4: He just knows it all. And and to be honest, he is a natural. He does sound really relaxed when he's on. And I think, as you say, more and more he does, the better he's going to feel. Yeah,
3: and I think everyone's always critical of themselves, aren't they?
4: Oh, definitely. And um, our next comment is from yourself, Mark.
2: Oh,
4: And... I'll, I'll read that out because i'm not going to do a be a nasty scene and, and make you read your own out. And, um, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> yes indeed i like that episode an interesting concept and a great bob picardo performance as always
3: yeah that's uh, in response to um matt's comment about his nitpick thoughts where he said uh, i was right on the emh thing and what is worse that had uh, you know the, the emh did have a backup module in yeah. the episode living witness remember that episode
4: Uh, i think so but also if you remember as well when um which episode was it where his program was degrading so much that they actually had to superimpose him onto another one isn't it like a diagnostic program they had to superimpose him so again that's that's like another module he had isn't it
3: Mm, yes but i I really like that episode living Witness. i think that's probably one of the finer voyager episodes i I really really enjoyed i mean i'm a big I'm a huge Robert Picardo fan. I think he's amazing, and I'm so disappointed he wasn't at Star Trek London.
4: Yeah, I I, um, I would
3: love to meet him because he seems like just such a fun guy.
4: Well, we've got the – obviously, I live in Wales, as people know, and in April, we've got the the Wales Comic Con, and it's only one day, and Robert Picardo is actually booked to attend. Oh, awesome. Where's uh, that? That's in Wrexham. Excuse me, that's in Wrexham. Okay. And um, I'm going to try and go to that. It's a six-hour journey. But um, I'm going to try and do that. It's, it's on a Sunday, surprisingly enough. Again, it's something different. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a one day, it's on Sunday, that's the 23rd of April. And um, as it's I say, George's Day. yeah, and Bob Picardo's there and, and a couple of people from Buffy, Game of Thrones and uh, a few others. It's going to I be quite good.
3: Oh, I might try and make that.
4: I'll send you a link and I'll put, you know, I'll give you a link to put in the show notes for listeners. Yeah, Let's that'd Bob... be
3: cool because if Bob Picardo is going to be there, I would love to meet him.
4: Yeah, one of our um, trekmate writers, um, Bunny Summers, um, she's going too, and um, oh, yeah, I met Bunny. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's yeah. going to be doing some blogs for us from there as well. So, should be good fun.
3: And our next post is from uh, Paul Finch, and he says, "This was great fun to record. Mark and Paul are always a great laugh. Looking forward to our road trip in February, as are we."
4: And the next one is from Mark again, saying, "Road trip." And then Emma jumps in and says, mega awesome road trip. Trek, mate, on the go.
3: Yes, and as I said earlier, you can expect an impromptu podcast. I think we'll probably record something uh, in the car on the way, and I'll probably quickly edit that on the Friday on the way on my laptop. And uh, you can expect that to be released on Friday, the 8th
4: of February. That's brilliant. Looking forward to that.
3: And uh, next next up, we have uh, our friend JD uh, from the Wilderness, and he follows up. Follows up on uh, Paul's subject about Spot, and he says, I think Data was just a shit pet owner, and they kept dying, and he would just buy a new one and call it Spot. <laughs> it was like Paul said, he was probably just standing on the all and just going, oh, well, I've just killed another cat. Yeah. I'll just get another one and just call it Spot, because he wasn't very imaginative, was he?
4: No, and he didn't feel any emotion, so he, he wouldn't have missed the passing of the cat, really, no, would he? No, he
3: wouldn't. He wouldn't.
4: And our next one is from Paul Finch, who says, Wait, Spot was a pun for Spot the Difference. They were making fun of us.
3: <laughs> That's a good point actually, yeah. because it did. Maybe maybe it was a little bit of an in joke. I've never actually read about that, but maybe they thought that was really funny just to um, to change the cat from time to time.
4: Yeah, that would be interesting. Their own little like Easter egg for us, isn't it? Really.
3: Yeah, possibly. So next up, Mike, you made a comment, so I'm going to make you read your own comment. Sorry, I'm going to do an evil scene on you.
4: Oh, OK, that's fair enough. What a great show. It was great to hear the PICTAC team, some interesting science discussions. You guys are so funny together. Matt's music segment was brilliant. Looking forward to more of these.
3: Yeah, well, there's, a, there's another one coming up soon. We've I've actually got uh, this week's and next week's already recorded. So uh, look forward to that very soon. That's brilliant. Uh, next up, we have a comment from our good friend Matt now. He says, great show, guys, but allow me to, uh, to come to Paul Drinkwater's defence and declare major shenanigans on the last questions in the trek-off. Uh, Matt is actually right here, and I did bugger up the last trek-off question. So Paul isn't here, but Paul, I do apologise most unreservedly. And he says, Paul was absolutely correct. The battle was of of Sharon was the last battle that ended the Earth and War. It was referenced in the TNG episode, The Defector. And he does include a link there to Memory Alpha. The Battle of Chiron led to the signing of the Treaty of Algeron, but there was no Battle of Algeron in any reference Star Trek canon. I think Paul should have gotten the point and declared the match a tie. I will acknowledge that. That was from my um, little database of questions from going back a while. And I will admit, I did screw Paul over on that. But... Yeah. In the previous week, he did sort of screw me over. So I'll leave that up to Paul uh, when he's back on next week, when we do the trek off. And I'll let him decide what he wants to do about that. But yeah, I'm man enough to admit I was wrong and stand up and say, yeah, okay. So we'll see what he wants to do. But I'm still technically in the lead. So we'll see We'll see what Paul wants to do with that next week. Anyway, so we, are, we have a, another little post here from Captain Hot Dog. And he says, my God, Mr. Drinkwater was on a roll. The story behind Data and the multiple spots. I laughed so hard, Miss... Miss Whitaker's thoughts on the Star Trek toilet opening up to space were, hel- were hilarious. It was great hearing the four of you together. So thank you for that.
4: And next we have a post from Emma saying, It's a genuine question. Imagine it. Space poo uh-huh. makes the idea of floating around space a little less special to me. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed the episode. It was a lot of fun to be in in the main show for, be, for be the first time and listen to everyone bounce off each other. Mega laughs were hard because glad that passed on to the listeners too oh she's glad yeah she's glad that the listeners enjoyed their laughs your laughs too yeah
3: yeah no it was, was it was such a fun show to record and i really am glad that everyone enjoyed it and we have another comment here from emma who says just listen to the music section with matt i loved it smiley face this was also my favorite part of the podathon too so it made me, uh re-listen to that too well that's good that she's actually gone back and listened to that and uh you can listen to uh, excerpts from the Podathon on our website, or if you go to Matt's website at qb. dot com, he's got a full director's cut, as I called it, with all of the um, the, full, the full clips and you know in high quality. So do make sure you listen to that. So good, glad this is going to be a regular on the show. It's so interesting.
4: Oh, it's really good. It's so popular, isn't it? And, yeah. Uh, Matt replies to that actually. Thanks Emma. Hopefully as I get into the swing of things I'll sound less nervous. I can't imagine how much editing Mark had to do with some of the nonsense I was blabbering on about. Well again that's just down to being self conscious. I bet there was hardly anything you edited. Uh
3: very, very little. I, I think I edited one little section where Matt Matt fluffed it up and uh, just edited that bit out. He just did it again. But we all do that, you know. How many how many you know, you you're into editing now, Mike, which is great. You're editing podcasts now, so <laughs> You know, you always have to edit stuff out, don't you? But Yeah you know.
4: That's nothing, right yeah, exactly. There was
3: nothing major.
4: Oh no, good fun. Yeah, um, don't
3: don't worry about it, Matt, you're doing awesome.
4: Yeah, and everyone's enjoying it, so that's the main thing.
3: Anyway, our next uh, comment is from Queen Cat Blue, so the lovely Cena. She says, Great show everyone, laugh tons. I liked Adam's cameo for the trek off too. Love the music section with Matt. Smug mode is engaged, Mark, because I knew the answer and you didn't, he yeah, it's one of those things, you know. You know you've heard the music before, and Matt introduces clips from, you know, from the first four seasons of T and G, you know you've heard it, but with so many episodes, you know, you basically got a hundred episodes there in the first four seasons, and yeah, I I always kick myself when I hear it because I go, he, he plays back, he plays it to me live over Skype. So when he plays it back with the audio over the top, I'm like, I know the episode. And yes, there you go. But oh, uh, thank
4: goodness it, it, it's. Sorry, gone.
3: No, no, I'm just saying it's always a fun section to record. I do really enjoy it, even though I'm not very good at it.
4: I was going to say, thank goodness he's not doing the original series because they just kept reusing the same old music. Which I actually,
3: which I actually really like.
4: No, it is. And I like the music from the animated series, even though, it, again, it's used all the way through the series. It's just brilliant. I, yeah. I, I can't even hum it, but um, it's brilliant.
3: So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. We had some uh, good feedback on the on the uh, on the last episode. So do remember to head on over to our forum at forum.checkmatefamily.com and uh, leave some comments on, on this show, which will be out on Sunday. So now that we're done with that, it's time for this. And now it's time for the Topic of the Week on TrekMate Podcast. Yes, it is time for our Topic of the Week. And as I did reveal earlier, this week we are going to talk about Star Trek Voyager. Now, Mike, 18 years old.
4: Well, it's just, as we said at the beginning, it just doesn't seem 18 years, does it? It just seems, uh, uh, oh no, just where's the time gone? I was 21 when Voyager first came out can't believe yeah.
3: it yeah no i would have been uh i would have been 20 yeah so i mean we're about the same age so
4: yeah.
3: i i do remember it coming out so when did you first see voyager
4: i was actually um i was living with a friend and she was german actually her name was G- Gieza, and um we were we were work colleagues and we, and we shared the flat and we bought the, the vhs and we watched it that way caretaker and i think that was in I think the VHS came out was it the same year as The Pilot on TV do you think? I think mm, probably was it yeah a few months after. Mm. So it was definitely 94 then. So that was really good. Was it 94 The Pilot?
3: Um, 95. Oh hang on. 90, where I master, five, isn't
4: 95 isn't it?
3: 95 yeah early 95 yeah. yeah.
4: So, so yeah 95. So yeah I I was we were living in Neasden West London and yeah great fun watching caretaker it was an afternoon i remember it quite vividly really looking forward to it and it didn't you know there were some good things about the pilot there were some bad things about it but it was great to have a new star trek series
3: yeah another new star trek series Now, now my one is similar to my ds9 story because it was only a couple of years obviously after ds9 came out so um i think i went down to blockbusters with the same couple of friends who i'd watched deep space nine with and we hired the uh, the pilot, and we hired the next two episodes. So so Parallax and Time and Again, I think they're called.
4: Yeah, that's right.
3: And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I do remember, actually. I don't remember where I picked it up from. I managed to pick up a, a Voyager poster that I had up in my room. Uh, and I was at university at the time. And uh, I, I managed to pick it up. I don't know if it was from a video shop or somewhere. I would managed to pick up this free poster, and it had um, a picture of the Voyager um against the space background had all the main characters on it says enter the delta quadrant in june (laughs) oh wow so i'm thinking that probably came out it was released in the uk so it was january in the us it was probably six months later here i mean that that was it back in the day wasn't it you know things were you know these days things come out a lot closer together don't they to cut down on piracy etc but in those Mm -hmm. days you know you, you could wait years for for series to wait i mean yeah TNG didn't start in the UK until 1990 so
4: three years isn't
3: it three years three years before we actually got to see that um so I remember watching it and thinking yeah I mean it was I was quite excited about the show because it was I thought wow they're going to win an unexplored quadrant of the galaxy and had some quite interesting characters in there so yeah I was I was really quite excited about Voyager and did enjoy the pilot I don't think it's the best pilot
4: no, no, definitely um,
3: not. It's better than Encounter at far point.
4: Yeah, well go with um, that. Not as the, good as uh, Emissary, though.
3: No, I still think, for me, a lot of people prefer Broken Bow, so the Enterprise pilot, over Emissary, but I think, for me, I still think Emissary is still the strongest pilot. But that's not to say k isn't good, because I, I, I do really enjoy it, but Emissary still just tops it for me.
4: No, and it, again, it's... It, there's just this thing with Star Trek pilots, isn't it? You'd think after they've done each one, they would learn something from the previous one, but they just didn't seem to, did they? No. I, I would say. No. But no, it was a good pilot, and always the problem with pilots is they try to cram so much in because they want you to get to know a little bit about each character. So it, it, it just doesn't work out the way they expected it to. No,
3: no, no. We did have a lot of characters <clears throat> in there, and it's quite controversial as well because obviously when Voyager goes off into the Delta Quadrant, and half of the crew are killed.
4: Well, yeah, exactly. And I was watching when I watched Caretaker. Um, I think it was well a couple of months now because uh, CBS Action are re-showing all, all of Voyager from the beginning. Yeah, Voyager's
3: <clears> on TV <the repeat throat> all the time here, isn't it?
4: You oh, it is. All, it?
3: You can always watch Voyager on telly here.
4: Oh no, definitely. As we, as you've mentioned many times, it's always DS9 that gets forgotten. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, I remember in the pilot when Tom's been. Um, Shuttled over to Voyager. There's the Beta Z Helmswoman. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, she would have been great to have had a had a, kept on the show, but obviously yeah. then Tom wouldn't have had a job. And it's those what if sort of scenarios with some of the characters.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, there were a load of other characters. There was the first officer there? He was killed. Uh, obviously, the Doctor was killed. Now, I'm trying to remember. It's a long time since I watched Caretaker. It is quite a while. Did we actually see their Doctor?
4: Yeah, we did he did, was, did we see him? Yeah, we did see him, but not for long because he was in the mess with the first officer and they were bad mouthing um Tom Paris to to Harry.
3: Oh, okay. And Yeah, because obviously he'd been in a in a penal colony, hadn't he? That's in right. New Zealand, yeah.
4: That's right, and that's when Janeway gets him breaks him out of jail, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. With so the I bun mean of steel.
3: The, Yeah. The bun of steel. Steel. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us on to the character. So I know like you're a big fan of uh, Janeway and of Kate Mulgrew in particular, aren't you?
4: Oh yeah. I, I just think her performance of her performance as captain Janeway is, is amazing. But again, it, it again, like all characters in Star Trek, it takes like to the third stroke, fourth season yeah. for them to get really into swing. And she had the added pressure of being the first woman captain. So again, the producers were mucking about the hair, mucking about with her shoes, as we heard at the talk yes, in yes. Star Trek, London, the height was going up and down and yeah, it wasn't until as we know she said look just leave me alone that she finally able to develop the character
3: yeah and i mean that's that's the thing isn't it it was it was quite she was the first female captain not the first female captain we've ever seen but it was quite unusual at the time but i just thought at the time i just thought well that's a nice refreshing change to have a female captain i just thought she was brilliant i thought she was a really really good captain and you know as as i said to you at star trek london after we went to that talk i will never watch voyager in the same way again she was just amazing at that talk and i, I know, you know this is only coming out two days after your uh, after the last 10 forward episode where you talked about kate mulgrew but i i think she was brilliant at that talk you know I, I, so, I was so jealous when she got that guy up on stage and talked to him says would you like a kiss and kissed him
4: you remember oh, yeah. that yeah well, I think like, we could, we've all run up for that
3: <laughs> it was just like why can't i go up on stage and give yeah. you a kiss yeah. it,
4: was just, oh, no. it was
3: just amazing so she's not my favorite captain Um, I always still fall back on Picard because he's well, it's it's Patrick Stewart and he's awesome. But I do think Janeway was a fantastic captain.
4: No, she was great. And and again, she was strong. But when, when when needed, she could be softer when, as I say, when needed. But there was one thing about Janeway. You just don't piss her off.
3: Oh, God, because no, she don't.
4: just would just wouldn't give up on you and, and i know we're going to talk about episodes but again and sorry to bore everyone who knows that one of my favorite episodes is equinox but again in that episode she she gets pissed off and that's it she becomes obsessed with yeah Captain she
3: does you, know, you know she puts that look on you You know that look of you know the look of doom on you she has a yeah. face like thunder and it's like oh boy when she looks at you like that, you're in trouble
4: Janeway stare. The Janeway
3: stair. The Jane Way stair, yeah, the thousand yard stair, and it's like, oh dear, that's it. I'm screwed now.
4: <laughs> Definitely. But no. And then obviously Kate Kate played so well and, and that was really good.
3: Yeah, but did you did you ever see some of the um the clips on YouTube where they had I think her name is Jean Vieve Buchold,
4: who's oh, the I sort did. of
3: French Canadian actress who was originally going to play Janeway.
4: Oh I did. They they were they they were terrible, you know. They were they were quite hard to watch just because she, you, you know she she just played a different Jane way, and, and yeah. you, you could tell she wasn't comfortable. You could tell she wasn't enjoying it.
3: Yeah, she wasn't comfortable. I mean, apparently, I'm, I've never actually heard of this woman before, but apparently she is a very talented actress, and you know I've got no reason to doubt that. But she just didn't fit the role. And when you watch those scenes, and they have the scene with her in, and the same the, the same scene with Kate Mulgrew. You can just really, really see the difference there. And she was awful. I'm, it, sure, she, like, I'm sure she's a good actress, but she yeah. just just couldn't, she just didn't get it. And she looked really old and she just wasn't there. And you see Kate Mulgrew doing it and it's just like, oh, she's awesome.
4: I think um, she had only done films and, and I've seen her in a couple of films. And they just didn't realise that sometimes movie stars just can't cope with the demands of of television, you know, as Kate has said, eighteen hour days, six days a week, yeah. and things like that, and she just wasn't ready for that. And and to be honest, that falls down to reset Berman, doesn't it? He should have yeah. um, realised that well before even getting her to film scenes. Mm.
3: But they're quite interesting to watch. So if you haven't seen those, head on over to YouTube, and you can probably find her by you know typing in Voyager and Buchold. and uh, and finding that they're really, really interesting. But, yeah, you're very glad that uh, Kate Mulgrew actually did step into that role because I think if if she'd continued in that role, Voyager would not have been the series it was. I think it probably would have been cancelled after a couple of seasons, to be honest. Yeah, I
4: think so too because, you know, she like all the captains do and and as uh, Patrick Stewart said uh, in London he's the head of an ensemb- of an ensemble cast mm. and she and Kate was too and i think she you know she kept it together but i couldn't imagine the other actress doing that no. i don't think she would have led from the front no
3: i don't think so either. we like Kate Mulgrew we do yeah
4: i think she tick there big and tick for, there. and for Jane
3: yeah definitely so what about Chakotay
4: well he he's when given a chance i felt he was a really good foil to janeway like in scorpion part yeah, yeah. one and two yeah. you know where where they had this uh disagreement over her wanting to have an alliance with the borg um so when he was given the chance he was a great character but so underused and and for me, it, this was quite strange because, obviously, Riker had a lot of stories. He had a strong character. Kira did as well. And then for some reason, when it got to Jacote, um they just ignored him.
3: Yeah, I know. He, he just didn't get an awful lot written for him. And I always come back to one of the episodes, and I've talked about this a lot, where he is actually really good. And that's the episode Nemesis, which I think is from season four. Yeah. Yeah, you know the episode, I mean, where he beams yeah. down to the planet and he's with these humanoids. Who are sort of terrorists, I guess, fighting against this alien species, and you assume all the way through the episode that he's one of the good guys, but he is actually in fact one of the bad guys against these sort of ugly predator looking aliens, aren't they um yeah. and I think his performance in that is really good, but I think you know, I don't think I've ever seen Robert Beltran in anything else, and I'm sure he's quite a good actor, but I think he is just a victim of bad writing i don't yeah, i don't definitely. i I don't hate Chicote, but I just think. He just wasn't given enough to do by a long way
4: no he's so underused and and i was listening to a, another pod to, to this morning in fact and it was mentioned that perhaps um it would have been good if roe Laren had been the first officer instead oh, that would
3: be amazing
4: you know instead of jacote it was actually roe Laren. she was on the marquee ship and that that would have been brilliant of course um from what i understand michelle forbes was actually offered a, a role on voyager as well and, and she turned voyager down as well I'm sure I've read that somewhere, and um, so she was offered what the first officer on DS9, and turned down.
3: Yes, of course, Uh, that was the original intention, that she would be the first officer there, yeah.
4: And then she turned uh, Voyager down as well, by all accounts, but um, that would have been brilliant.
3: Yeah, I would love to have seen her on there. That would have given a really nice dynamic. She would have had at least something, you know, a little bit of a fight to give against Jane Moe, because obviously Chakotay was a Maquis officer. He didn't have a lot of fight in him, did he? He sort of bent over really, really easily and just sort of just bent the Starfleet way really quickly without putting up too much of a fight.
4: Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And um, for 10 forward, I've been reading um, a story by Bob Greenberger called Command Codes, and it was set 48 hours after Caretaker. And in it, Tuvok um, disables Chakotay's Command Codes. And the ship's damaged, as usual. Janeway's knocked out Mm. and Chakotay's got to save the ship. And he can't because he hasn't got these command codes and Tuvok won't let him because he doesn't trust him because he's a a marquee. But you should read the story. It's brilliant. But um, I was thinking to myself, this would have made a perfect episode. And this would have shown the talents of Robert Beltram and would have given Chakotay so much more character depth if they if they had just used him properly and it would have been good for him to have actually um what's the word um stopped Janeway being in command i can't think of the word this sounds um yeah relieved her of duty if he if we'd actually seen that he'd threatened us so many times um you know you perhaps will have to take over or relieve you of duty it would have been great for him to have done it
3: yeah but all the time he was just like he had no for someone who was a McKee officer, I mean the, the McKee were basically terrorists. He had no teeth, did he at all? No,
4: not at all. And, and he again, had no
3: he had no bark or no bite at all.
4: Well, that's it. And, and again, as as we mentioned, the story was about two crews coming together. Well, yeah. they came together within like four episodes, and and it was hardly ever mentioned again. And and again, that was a lost opportunity. Yeah,
3: I th- I think that's the one thing you can say about Voyager. I mean, I like it as a series, I really do, but it is very much the series of lost opportunities was so many things they could have done there and they just the writers just seemed to drop the ball on it or they just didn't have a they didn't have a coherent direction like they did on things like deep space nine yeah.
4: do you think it was complacency because the the success of tng ds9 was going really really well and, and and again you know paramount's come along and said we want a third series and and do you think some of it was complacency it could have
3: been they were just thinking, you know, maybe they were thinking we can just play it safe and just chuck anything out and it, it, yeah. it'll be successful. I mean, Voyager was successful yeah. uh, and I, I do really like it. But there were so many different things they could have done with it. And there were so many, you know, there were quite a lot of bad episodes on there as well.
4: Well, yeah, definitely. Uh,
3: that's probably something we'll talk about in a little bit. But
4: That's it. So um, now we've got to look at uh, Tom Paris.
3: Yes, now he's an interesting character, because the original intention was that Tom Paris would be Nick Locarno from the TNG episode,
4: and The I'm First gonna, Duty. That's it, with uh, Wesley Crusher, when they yes. do the um fly-over, sort yes. of try to do the fly pass, isn't yeah, it, they're doing it this, wrong.
3: They're doing this big fancy sort of red-arrows maneuver that the Calarian mm-hmm. Starburst, and he, he's a rogue cadet.
4: That's right. And, and he uh, forces he, Wesley to be quiet, to be silent, doesn't
3: he? Yeah, they have all this little cover up, but they didn't do that. And apparently that's because of the um, they'd have to credit the original writer. They'd have to pay the original writer for the character. So they obviously use the same actor, but with a slightly different character. And yeah, pa- Paris was in prison on uh, in New Zealand, and, uh, but he's the best pilot they can get. And they're going to have to go into the Badlands to find the Maquis. So Janeway goes there to find him tom paris was very much i think in the early days was that sort of little bit of a rogue character but he very quickly settled into the into the starfleet way of life didn't
4: he oh yeah very much so and and as you say in season two they tried this uh bad boy thing and uh where he's turning up late and everything and later on we find out it was it was actually um a ploy yes. to find out the spy but originally from what i've read on the subject um they were they, they just didn't know where to take that story they they had started write, writing these bad bits about paris you know as we say turning up late Yay. being rude to jacote they didn't have a, a clue that they were going to use it as a spy okay. but then but then they realized the plot wasn't going anywhere so then they decided to wrap it all in as as Janeway planning to capture the spy. Mm. And again, it was just showing that the writing wasn't really as focused as it could have been. No, but no, the character the... himself was great.
3: No, I think it was really good, but that just shows that they didn't have a coherent writing team. They didn't have... You get the feeling with Deep Space Nine, maybe it was just um, coincidence. You can watch it from start to finish, and the way the whole story folds together, you can really think that people have sat down and thought about how all of these yeah. threads were gonna come together and you don't always get that in Voyager. As no. a character I really liked him and you know, for a pilot, there's probably no one better out there
4: well that's it and obviously he helped build the Delta Flyer and uh, well obviously they had so many shuttles on Voyager anyway they never ran out of shuttles
3: no they kept blowing them up every week yeah. there was always more of them that's the famous thing isn't it about the, they had a shuttle replicator on Voyager yeah. <laughs> the, intre- the new Intrepid class had uh, the ability to replicate shuttles at will <laughs>
4: oh dear and and his character got a lot better I'd say season 4 when he, he became quite settled with Balana as well and he wasn't seen as this sort of play Playboy, or, or try to be the scene as this playboy isn't it
3: yeah yeah and i mean i i did really i enjoyed his relationship with polano as well i thought i thought you know she was um you know she was very feisty and i, th- I thought the two of them together worked really well
4: yeah, it was. It was a really enjoyable seeing them actually get together, and and it did. You know, it wasn't done over a couple of episodes. It took a whole season. Mm. You know, from, from when he realised in season three he liked her, and until finally season four, they realised. You know, they told each other, and that, so that was good. So,
3: following on from Tom Paris, we have his best friend Harry Kim.
4: Oh dear, don't know what we can say about Harry. Um, what was your first impressions when you saw the pilot?
3: Um, well, when you see a pilot you you know you're not you're not too familiar with the character, so you're sort sort of willing to forgive uh, I thought well, okay, he's a bit young, he's a bit green uh a bit of a yeah a bit of a nothing character and he he really never developed much from there, did he He never no, yeah. really did anything more and you, by the end of the by the end of the series okay he's been on on the ship for seven years he's still an ensign. He never really did anything but die a lot. How many times did he die? At least four times.
4: It's got to be at least four times. And you're absolutely right. There was just no development of his character. You can't say he went from here to here, where, for example, Tom Paris went from jailbird, really no direction in his life, to Starfleet officer, married, baby and, you know, really committed to his job. And, and, And Harry Kim had nothing to say. You know, a few failed romances with alien beings and things like that, but nothing really. You know, he had a t- t- chance at command on night- that episode 19, Gal, and he got that wrong. He bodged that up and just no development whatsoever. No,
3: no, there was just nothing there, was there? And, you know, when it comes down to his success with, success with women, you know, Harry Kim could not pull a rotten tooth out of right. a dead horse's mouth, could he?
4: He made Geordie look like a stud. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> he did absolutely he did absolutely and i think i can't think of a single off the top of my head i can't think of a single there's one episode actually where he's quite good and that's in timeless
4: oh yeah where we
3: see him from the future I yeah. mean, that that's a fantastic episode i really really like the episode i'm not saying he's really really good in that i'm saying he's better than he ever was in probably any other episode
4: yeah no no I, he, he wasn't- ama-
3: he was, he wasn't amazing in it, but he was better than he was he wasn't as awful as he was in every other episode
4: no and and, and that's a shame really because again it, he had the potential you could have seen this young green officer develop over seven seasons, and that would have been really good to have seen but and and it and again just didn't happen
3: yeah it didn't happen so that's enough of Harry
4: King yeah so um Mr Neelix
3: mr neelix now he's a controversial character now a lot of people hate neelix a lot of people like him i'm sort of a little bit indifferent on him i think very you know as is the popular thing and i'd agree with what everyone says early neelix was a bit of a it was a bit of a dick really wasn't he, he was he yeah. was he was jealous neelix with kiss yes and he was he was you know anyone looked at her he was all oh he was very protective of her Considering they were out there in the Delta Quadrant, they probably had did have to pick up a little bit of an alien just to introduce something a little bit different. You know, they they were trying to introduce a little bit of a, di- a different dynamic to the show. Yeah. Um. You know, they they had a Vulcan. You know, we'll talk about Tuvok, but they had a Vulcan on there. They were trying to do something a little bit different, and having and a sort of native alien come on the ship was probably a good idea. He did well, annoy me a little bit, but um.
4: I remember yep. the pilot with him in the bath, isn't it? With all the water, yeah. Yes. That was just—it was like, oh dear, what's going on here? And and over the course of the seven years, he went from you know chef, he was a guide, he was a nanny for um, Naomi, yeah. and uh, you know,
3: and he he did become good friends with Seven yeah. of Nine, and he did develop a little bit, but not my no. favorite character. I don't think he's awful. A lot of people really hate him. Yeah. um
4: he's the marmite of voyager isn't he really you either <laughs> love him or hate him love
3: him or hate him love him or hate him definitely yeah.
4: but he had some good stories though like rise in season three where him and tuvok have got to go up that uh huge conveyor up into orbit
3: yes and, and, I, um, did, and I did actually enjoy his relationship with with tuvok as well
4: yeah that was good and he was, um
3: hello mr vulcan and he was always trying to be the the security officer and you know tuvok couldn't he really couldn't tolerate him. and Although Tuvok didn't have emotions, you could tell every time Neelix spoke to him, you could tell he was just so irritated mm. with
4: him. No, exactly. And and I know many people didn't like the way Voyager ended with Endgame, but at least Neelix had a good ending. He had a good send-off, didn't he? Yeah, he um, did.
3: He actually got to you know uh, stay on a Tlaxon colony, find a wife, find a... It was a stepchild, wasn't it? That's
4: right, a stepchild. You know,
3: so he got to have a nice little happy ending. So that's good for him. But personally... As a series, I didn't like the way Voyager ended. I thought they wrapped it up a little bit too neatly and nicely for yeah. me.
4: And again, they used, you know, it's the Borg again.
3: Oh, the Borg again. Yeah.
4: So there. We I go. mean,
3: I'm I'm a big Borg fan, but I think. And me. I think Voyager probably did. They overused the Borg and did destroy it a little.
4: Yeah. Well, it became it just became too easy to defeat the Borg. And it's like, oh, fire a couple of torpedoes, and then suddenly the board cubes, you know, the the ship's destroyed. And, yeah, it just got a bit silly, I think.
3: Yeah, definitely.
4: But on the other hand, Dark Frontier was a great two-part story.
3: I I did did quite enjoy that one as well. So there's a little bit of a mixed bag in there, a little bit of a mixed bag.
4: So um, moving on, we go to Kess. Yeah. Underused, yep. I put down in my notes. Underused,
3: underused, and, and not a lot to do.
4: No, and, and the writers and just gave up on her, didn't they? Because they didn't know what to write for her.
3: No, and Jennifer Leon is actually, you know, she's a good actress. I've seen her in a few other movies as well, yeah. and she she can actually act. But again, like Robert Beltran as Chakotay a victim of bad writing, they really didn't know what to do with it. It was an interesting concept with the Okamper, and the fact that the caretaker had showed up and. They were they they were looking after their planet because they they turned up to the planet, destroyed the atmosphere, felt guilty about it, and they were protecting them. And the fact that they only lived for nine years, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. You know, that's a really yeah. interesting concept. But they never did anything with it. And she was the doctor's assistant, and. Yeah, she never did that anything and then she disappeared after three seasons and no one was really sorry to see her go.
4: Well, no, exactly. And and she came back in Fury in season 6, which was a really good episode. Mm. Um and that was a good performance. But, you know, it, it would have been nice if they'd done something like she only lives to 7 and if she had stayed on the show, it would have been, it would have been, you know, it, it sounds quite cruel, but see two episodes before yeah, two episodes before they get home to earth she dies or die. something like that yeah that you know? would have been interesting
3: yeah a little bit morbid maybe but yeah. it would have been nice to have seen that and, to have and seen so, at the end of her life
4: yeah and, and you you know her life is all seven years is a bald voyager and unfortunately passes away or something like that no knowing voyager though they would have come up with a technobabble solution
3: where to keep live, her alive yeah where she can live for 10 times longer and live to 70
4: yeah so but no definitely underused
3: yeah, definitely. So, of course, Kess was replaced by the lovely Seven of
4: Nine. Seven of Nine, and um, of course, she was brought in to further develop the stories. And or was it Eye Candy? I, I always forget. I think
3: I think there's a little bit of both. I think she was brought yeah. in as a bit of a sex symbol. And let's face it, Jerry Ryan is gorgeous.
4: Well, yeah, you can't you can't knock her for that, so to speak. But um, no, and and it did shake things up.
3: I I think it did, and I mean, she can, I mean, yeah, she is gorgeous, she looks, you know, she was amazing at Seven of Nine, but she can actually act, and she had, okay, so from season four to season seven, how many dedicated or seven focused episodes do we have? We have a huge number, don't we?
4: We do, and and, and as a result... I I think
3: more so than any other series. Oh,
4: yeah, and she had had mostly more stories than the captain did about about Janeway again and and again as a result um Chakotay suffered certainly Kim suffered and Paris suffered their characters didn't get as much and they were pushed to the background
3: but it makes you wonder though had they not brought her on and had they kept Kess, would some of the other characters like Chakotay and Harry Kim been given a, a you know a little bit more of exposure
4: well yeah that's it and um it it would have been interesting again it's that what if with voyager scenario but the interesting thing was they were actually going to kill harry kim off at the beginning of season four and the same time as seven came on so that was again that would have been
3: or kill him off again he'd already died about three times by that
4: point i I think he was going to stay dead this time hope well hopefully but um yeah again but I think they were worried it was gonna to be too much of a, a a woman heavy show. Again, nothing wrong with that.
3: Oh no, no, and it was actually you know, we'll we'll talk about that briefly. It was a very female heavy show. Now it's not a bad thing by any means. So no. we have some we have some huge you know, some 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 very strong female characters in there. We've got Captain Jane May, of course, we have Balana, we have seven of nine. Kes, not so much, but between the three of them I thought there were some very strong female characters in there. I thought they were amazing. I I loved Seven of Nine. Well. I think I think I I love Jerry Ryan. I think she's awesome. And nice. I I really like Seven of Nine as a character. And I no, think every 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 episode that she's in, she was I mean, awesome to look at. But aside from that she could really act and you could really believe it and she had some really convincing relationships with you know, with the rest of the
4: crew. No, yeah, and she, and as you say she had some really good storylines, and and again, it's just the little things they could have done to increase her credibility. They could have put her in a uniform instead yeah. of those silly costumes. Okay, we know why they put her in the silly costumes—the
3: silver, the, the tight silver uniform, and then the tight... She yeah. could wear that for that long, and then she had the tight red one, then she had the tight green one, and she did actually wear a uniform in.
4: Relativity. In
3: relativity. And it
4: and it suited her.
3: She looked really good in that uniform, I have she to say. She really, really didn't, mm. did look nice in that uniform. But then again, they are quite close fitting, aren't they? those ones?
4: Well yeah. So, it's exactly what happened to Marina Certis. It wasn't until chain of command they put her in a uniform and then they turned around and said, oh she looks really good in a uniform. We should yeah. keep her in it. Yeah. And it's did, a shame they did, didn't do it.
3: Why didn't we do this before? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
4: And it's a shame they didn't do that with seven, but but no, you're right. Her acting was brilliant and she did, you know, she did get a lot of flack for joining the crew and, and a lot of people did think she was only there for eye candy, which wasn't really good for her. You know, imagine you're the actress and you're Jerry Ryan and you're yeah. coming into all this. Um, I think she did really well.
3: No, no. I think Eye Candy, definitely. Good actress. I think she is. I thought she played the part really, really well, and I do lo- i do really like it—not just because she's gorgeous to look at, but because she can actually act.
4: Well, that's it, and and again, I know we've mentioned the Borg, but they were in the Delta Quadrant, so at some point they were going to come across the Borg anyway. So this was a good way to have that conduit with the Borg by having Seven in the first place. Yeah,
3: it was a good, a nice little introduction there, you know, and 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 to bring them on and to pick her up, and also to have that whole storyline because we'd we'd seen borg before and we'd seen people rescued from the borg but they were rescued from the borg after a very short period of time you know picard was lakutis for what a few days yeah
4: exactly. maybe Probably.
3: maybe a week or two we're not quite sure in the best of birth walls she'd been a borg for 25 years something like that she'd never known yeah. anything different and to see her rescued from the collective and have no ability to function as an individual. It was a really interesting story, and she goes through a, a real development arc from I Will Betray You, I Will Go Back to the Borg in those first early episodes, to having a relationship with Chakotay, Chakotay towards the end of, of the series, which didn't make any sense, but never mind. No. But, you know, to to, be, to being Voyager as my collective now, you know, she she didn't want to go back to the Borg. She really had become an individual. Yeah. It, was, it was a real journey for her.
4: And it was like that triangle relationship with Janeway, the Boar Queen, and Seven in the middle, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And and them fighting over who was going to have Seven. Because, obviously, the relationship with Janeway and Seven, that developed as well. It started off maternal, and then there was, lead, there was the conflicts between the two, which led up to Dark Frontier. Mm. And, and that was good to see as well.
3: Yeah, really enjoyed that. So, on to our next character, and that is, of course, Tuvok.
4: Uh, it was great to see another Vulcan in Star Trek again.
3: Exactly. And you know, I made the point when we talked about this on the podcast uh, a little while ago when Paul and I talked about underused aliens, and it's the Vulcans. You don't see enough of them. And it was really nice when I heard about Voyager, and I think I think I probably got this poster before I'd actually seen it, and there was a Vulcan on there, and it was like, wow, there's a Vulcan back on there. And he was black as well because he'd never seen a black Vulcan before. Now, oh, yeah. it seems a bit contrived to be honest i've got no issue with him being black i don't care but we'd never seen a black vulcan before but i think tim russ as a you know as an actor i thought we played him really well and i i would say of all of the vulcans he, he's probably my favorite i did like leonard Nimoy as spock and i did like jolene blaylock as to but tim russ as tuvok is probably my favorite vulcan because he's just so sarcastic
4: well, that's it. And he's a full Vulcan as well compared to Spock. And we actually got to see Tuvok over seven years, which was really good compared to only three years of Spock. And and I think a lot of writers were afraid to write write for Vulcans because they thought after three years of Spock, what else can you write about? But there is so much more you can do. And look at the episodes with Suda where he mind moves. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. There were some fantastic
4: episodes. Yeah. And yeah. and there was so much potential there. And again, Tim Russ was brilliant playing the character.
3: Yeah, I'd lo- I'd really like to meet him. So um, yeah, I'm hoping he's at Star Trek London,
4: the That'd next really Star Trek good.
3: London, which will happen this year. I'm being
4: positive. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, and and like Marina Certis will be there. Hopefully, and and uh, Jonathan Frakes as well. Shame they were missing from last year's.
3: Yes, definitely,
4: definitely. But no, but, with Tuvok, it was good to see his friendship with Janeway as well.
3: Yeah, because they'd had a long relationship, hadn't she? And,
4: and twenty years and three starships.
3: Yeah, twenty uh, years, know. and she had a real a real trust in Tuvok and, and I think he reciprocated that as well, didn't he? They had a yeah. real, you know, a real deep friendship as much as a, a Vulcan could have a, a deep friendship with a human. I think that was there between them. Similar, similar in many ways between the, uh, you know, similar to the relationship between Spock and Kirk. Yeah, most.
4: very much so. They were really close to each other. And, um, I think that brings us next on to Balana.
3: Yes, Balana. So, an interesting character because we'd never seen we'd seen Kayla as a um a human Klingon hybrid, but she was only ever in a, in a couple of episodes but to have a full human Klingon hybrid there um at, at first I thought she was a little bit of a gimmick I thought oh, okay she's a little bit angry but again she went through a lot of she went through a lot of changes we did see her angry side we saw her nice side. Um, but as this, as the series went on, obviously her relationship with Tom Paris.
4: I think that helped the character so much, and and I think like you, is at the beginning. I've put in my notes. She just reminded me of Kira from DS Nine. She was angry, angry. She was shouting.
3: Angry, and, shouty woman.
4: Yeah, Starfleet. Oh, you Starfleet, and yeah, obviously token. how she addressed Harry.
3: Yeah, the token angry, shouty. Yeah.
4: Woman. And, but it, and,
3: but but as it went on, I think she did she did develop a lot as well
4: yeah and it was it, her becoming um, chief engineer, they must have planned that. You'd like to think they had planned that in advance and and that just seemed to work straight away and, and she had something to do and as you say, with Tom Paris, her character developed though a lot of, you know it would have been nice to have seen her with Jacote. I thought at the beginning, I always thought there she was, was going to get together with jacote yeah
3: there the, the was that there um, but I always think the relationships which are least likely work best um so if there was anyone i would probably least put her with it probably would have been tom paris in terms of character because he's a very jovial person isn't he and she was being half cling on yeah she was very angry um and it's similar to i think the relationships in enterprise where a lot of people said oh to should have been with archer i think that would have been a fundamental mistake now i know you're not a big we're, we're going on to enterprise now but i know you're not a big fan of tucker but, if you're going to pair opposites together, you would put to poll. You, you want to show that a human and a Vulcan can have a relationship. Who better to put to Paul with than Tucker because they're opposites? Well oh, yeah I, exactly. I, I, I just think that whole dynamic between them it is just that whole union of of the two species. i think I personally think I'm not a big fan of Tucker, to be honest. I know you loathe him. I don't oh, yeah. hate him. I don't hate him. I think he's not brilliant um
4: i think season I, I, one and two tucker i can't stand three and four he's he does, bearable
3: yeah he he, he does improve yeah. and i think putting the two of them together having those sort of opposites attract really did work
4: no it's no it's true and and, and balana's development went through she she did change from this angry woman to this really great starfleet engineer and uh, again married and 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 she was comfortable with that and apart from her klingon heritage and and again we saw a good couple of klingon episodes with her exploring her heritage
3: yeah and, and trying to fight against it as well to some degree she didn't always appreciate her klingon heritage did she i think she would have preferred to have been fully human in many ways she did, she didn't enjoy the anger that was in her from her klingon heritage
4: no, it's like that episode early on, I think it's season one or two of the Vidians and she's split in half, isn't Faces, she? Faces, yeah. Yeah, the Klingon yeah, half and, and, and the human half. And that was an interesting episode explain, exploring both sides of her.
3: Yeah, definitely. I did, I did like the Vidians. I thought they were really cool.
4: No, exactly. And um, But no, she was good. She was good. And... I think if if her relationship with Tom hadn't have happened, then we're not sure where her character would have gone. I don't think.
3: No, I think she would have been just the sort of angry, shouty person in engineering, going, "I can take much more with this captain."
4: Yeah. <laughs> whatever,
3: whatever the equivalent would have been, but no, a good cling on, on, yeah, yeah.
4: But no, no, it's really good, and, and I know we've got one more character to do, but I think already we can tell quite a lot of these characters were just, you know, one good thing about Voyager was it was about family.
3: Yes, definitely. The, the the way they all grew together yeah, over, and, over the series.
4: And that was really good. And and now we're coming to a character which I think is your favourite in Voyager, I would say.
3: He is, definitely. And a character who had probably more development, in my opinion, than any other. And that is, of course, the Doctor.
4: No, and That's exactly what I've got at the top of my notes about the Doctor. Most development on the whole show.
3: As a as a character, I think the Doctor is fantastic. He's my favourite Doctor. He's one of my favourite characters in the whole of Star Trek. I think he's I think he was brilliant. I just love his his dry wit and his sense of humour. And it's it, yeah. from right when he's turned on, he's just he is just basically this computer program. But as you get right to the end of se- season seven, he's just he's not a computer program. He's he's a human being, in my opinion. Sorry, Wayne. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. No, he's he's moved on so much, and he's actually had more of a journey than I think Data had as well.
3: Oh, definitely, definitely, and he had a lot of episodes dedicated to him as well, and you can pick any, you know, there were a lot of good episodes on Voyager, there were some bad ones as well, but if you pick any bad episode, if he's in it, he will always be the highlight of that bad episode. You can always look at a bad episode and go, that was awful, but Robert Picardo was amazing in it. He will always save any bad episode, even something like Threshold when he was in it.
4: No, exactly. And, and no, he, he, he was will brilliant.
3: Bri- he will always brighten up the room. And there were so many good episodes d- dedicated to him. And, you know, we, we talked about one earlier um, in, in hundreds of years in the future. And they, they, they have the holiday. Oh, he's backed up.
4: Oh, yeah. I, oh, do you know, I can't remember the name, but they it's like a Mirror Universe Voyager, isn't it? The crew—they're looking back at the crew, and they're supposed to have been evil, isn't it?
3: Yeah, that's it. And you know, he's there, and he's had the—he's had the backup program there, and it's just, just you know, a really interesting concept that hundreds and hundreds of years in the future, that he would be there, and then he leaves and, and goes back to the Alpha Quadrant in, in, in a shuttlecraft, and just—I I, just—I have no bad words to say about Bob Carter or the Doctor as a whole.
4: Definitely,
3: no, me- definitely my favourite character in Voyager no. and probably up there in my top three overall Star Trek characters, um, well, that's
4: amazing really good. that's really good, and, and also message in a bottle he was great in that, that was a <laughs> was, fun episode with the that's, Romulans
3: that's really fun and we see the EMH Mark 2 and he's just he just brightens up every episode I'll say him in I'm always, whenever he appears on the screen you know you're always going to be entertained
4: no definitely it's really, really good. He's just a great actor as well, isn't he? And, and you know, he played the Doctor to the best of his ability, and it's brilliant, and you can see that.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I've seen him in – he was in Stargate, apparently, was he? I've never actually
4: watched Stargate. I've, yeah, he, I've he never was in actually a, seen it. Yeah, he was, in, and he had a, a sort of star – not starring role, but um, in season five of Atlantis as well. He was in the whole season – and he he was really good actually he came yeah. across really well
3: yeah stargate is one of those things i probably should have watched and i've seen the original movie and i liked it but just, stargate is just one of those series i've never actually got around to watching and i probably really like it so um i probably should try and sort that out and watch that
4: no it's good I, I i was the same i i'd missed so much of the original stargate i couldn't get into it but when atlantis started it only had five seasons and no that was brilliant it's well worth a look
3: so we've covered the character. So Mike, what were your favourite? Can you give me your? What do you reckon three, three favourite
1: episodes?
4: Three favourite episodes. Well, I'll be cheeky and include two parters as one. But oh, um, nice. I'd say Scorpion. Um, I loved *Scorpion* from the end of season three, beginning of four. Yeah. I think we we just saw the introduction of the Borg Seven coming on, and some finally some conflict between Jacote and Janeway. That was great. Yeah. Um, *Equinox* one and two that was going to be a obvious one, but just a great story. And as we say, Janeway is so obsessed and finding ransom, and she does things you just wouldn't expect her to do, including torture.
3: Yeah, she's she's a badass in, in that episode,
4: isn't she? And um, and that's a really really good one. And there's just so many others. I think Pathfinder. I think Pathfinder from season six because we get to see Reg Barkley. Yeah, Deanna I love. I, I
3: love Reg Barkley. And
4: I and think. I think
3: great.
4: Yeah, and, and that's a great episode because it's really good. I, I you know, it brings it, it chokes you up a bit when they finally get to to get contact with Starfleet, and they only have a few seconds. And I just love that episode. It's just really, really emotional. And obviously, Paris gets to hear from his dad.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that closes that all up
4: quite yeah, nicely. Yeah. And it? and that's really good. So I'd say those three really stood out for me. And I'd have to quickly get in Deathwish from season 2.
3: Oh, okay. That's one of mine. That's definitely oh. one of mine. It's Deathwish. I mean it's just one of the for me it's just one of the perfect stuff Star- in a Star Trek episode. I I just love that so much. It's just I like the cue and I think in know, just the whole concept of of Quinn and is wanting to commit suicide and visit visiting the continuum. I was always really worried that they would do that and they would try and you know overtake it because Voyager is such a techie mm-hmm. series. We haven't even talked about Techno Babel. You know, no. we don't need we don't need to talk about Techno Babel because it's Voyager. But they could have really destroyed it. But the fact when they go to the continuum and it's all
4: a desert is it? a road in the desert,
3: and he's he's there playing. Playing pinball, and there's the people there with the old and the new, and the clock doesn't have any hands. I just saw all the symbolism there was just, was just amazing. So I love that episode. Another no. good one for me is is Counterpoint.
4: Yeah, that's a, really re- good.
3: A really nice performance there from uh, from Kate Mulgrew. Really, yeah. really enjoy that episode. And another one I really like is Distant Origin from season three.
4: Yeah, that's good.
3: With the uh, the, the descendants of dinosaurs. Yeah. This, this really advanced species which had left Earth oh, tens of millions of years ago and um, a nice episode because it opens not from the starship point of view but from their point of view and I, I like episodes that, yeah. that do that You know, they're in there about 10 minutes and you're thinking hang on what's going on it's about 10 minutes before you actually see the ship yeah. um, and, and, it, and, it, and it, it, an interesting idea that the fact that these dinosaurs could have evolved and left Earth millions and millions of years ago and they have this theory about their distant origin on the other side of the galaxy so i really really enjoy that
4: one and it doesn't have that happy ending either does it really no it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and and that's nice to see because normally voyager the episodes all tied up with a bow aren't they at the end yeah
3: yeah exactly i, I always like episodes that do that and they're, they are often few and far between particularly in tng and something like voyager deep space nine you know very less so but yeah really really enjoy
4: those no, exactly. And and I know you mentioned um Q quickly and I wanted to ask you this because I know you love love the Q. Do you think that the Q that we saw in TNG was only there to progress the Picard character and his storyline while Voyager was there to progress the Q because we see so much more of of the Q in Voyager and we learn so much more about him in 3 episodes compared to the many appearances on TNG?
3: That's that's an interesting question. I think Q was he was a nice nemesis or a nice counterpoint to Picard. And I mean, I I love I love most of the episodes from TNG from uh, that have Q in it. I'm not I'm not such a big fan of Cupid. I thought no, they, no, that's not a brilliant episode. But I like them. But he was he was awful in Deep Space Nine. I thought Q less was rubbish. I just oh, think oh, it worked. Was... It, it didn't work. It didn't work uh, with Benjamin Sisko at all. But that's an interesting idea, actually. I think they, we learned a lot more about the Q themselves in in Voyager, and we found out that they weren't quite so mysterious. We found a little bit more about them that they weren't all powerful. That they yeah. were, you know. A lot of people say the Q are gods. No, they're not. And this is the way that this is the argument that Wayne and I have all the time about: Is Q a god? Yes. Wayne says he is. I say he's not. The Q aren't gods. They're just very very advanced yes. they're just very very advanced aliens with technology you know way beyond millions of years beyond what we have and they would seem to be all-powerful so i would say yeah we did see a lot yeah. more development of of the Q in voyager and i would like to have seen a little bit more of them but only because i'm such a big john delancey fan
4: no he was wonderful wasn't he and um, brilliant and, and the one who played Quinn in Death Wish, he was a fantastic cue.
3: I know, I'd love to have seen more of him. It really is a shame yeah. that they did commit suicide. Can you imagine what they would have done, you know, when Janeway said to him, you know, join this crew, you know, you might enjoy this, this mortal life, I, I enjoy this life, you know, come with us. Yeah. You know, even if he'd only been on for sort of five, six, seven episodes, if he'd tried it, to have yeah. been on there for a little while and then maybe decided, no, this isn't for me, and then killed himself. Rather than killing himself straight away, just to have gone on the journey for a little bit. Imagine how and how much more we could have seen of him. So that was a real shame. Another lo- yeah. you know lost opportunity, I think.
4: Uh, no, definitely. And um, I have to ask you this. What did you think of the K's on?
3: No, oh, they were awful.
4: They were, weren't
3: they? <laughs> we haven't mentioned them. We we managed to get all the way through without mentioning the Kazon.
4: Oh, we couldn't we couldn't forget the, the they're almost like the Ferengi at the beginning of TNG, aren't they? Really? They just they not work. Get,
3: except they never get any better. They're as I've said before, they're scarecrows in space. <laughs> Worsen we're, we're damage in space. Yeah. They're just all. I just I just never liked them. They were just rubbish aliens. They made no sense, and I was glad to see the back of them
4: oh definitely and,
3: and, and, and i know matt Hansen agrees with
4: me hello matt yeah exactly and and obviously we haven't spoken about some of the the truly great episodes of voyager like the 37s and threshold and <laughs>
3: um threshold's rubbish i don't actually oh. mind the 37s too much no. i don't think it's that bad i thought okay it might have not have been executed particularly well but i thought the concept was really interesting
4: yeah
3: and I, i'm i'm on for um a lot of people who've listened to me will say, "Well, I find the concept behind it interesting." So, although the episode, the storyline in in an episode, isn't particularly well done, I like the theory behind it. So it's like a lot of people hate the Royale from season two in TNG.
4: Yeah,
3: I like that episode because
4: really,
3: I, I, I find the concept behind it interesting. Yeah, that the fact that these aliens would have found him and they they knew nothing about human. I like something that's alien. Everything in Star Trek, you know, they, they understand each other. Whereas yeah, exactly. in that they were they were actually alien. They found this human being and they read this book and thought, well, that's what must human life must be like. And they'd recreated this whole world for him. So I found the concept interesting. So I do actually quite like that episode. And the 37s, yeah. All right, it's not the best of Voyager, but I don't think it's awful.
4: No, it's not awful. It was nice to see the ship land, something that they'd, you know, at I the earliest times they'd always wanted to do. And uh, they never had the budget to do it. So here they finally did it.
3: Yeah. And I'm with Adam there. Adam doesn't hate the 37s either. I think it's okay. No. I think it's okay. It's it's watchable. All good. Okay, so I think that wraps it up for our chat on Voyager this week. So next up, we have something special for you. And that is a little interview that our good friend Wayne has done with Marina Certis. Let's go for it.
1: Hello Trek mate Just thought I'd drop you a line to say hi And to give you a special little treat um, For anyone who uh, hasn't noticed I haven't been here for a couple of weeks That's Basically what it is Is I've had uh, a bit of conflicting uh, scheduling issues with the guys Simply because at the moment My uh, youngest daughter has decided that her sleeping habits aren't going to let me uh, record until about one in the morning. So uh, family life, uh, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, uh, family life does come first. Um, So I I couldn't just walk off and leave Leanne to look after both of the kids after spending all day at work that would just be too unfair so um, the only time that I've had to record is really pretty much when I've been by myself walking or otherwise because uh, we've all got different lives so uh, I, I haven't left the podcast I'm still firmly here still firmly got my hand in and um, I just wanted to wish all of the collective well and I hope that uh, you guys have been enjoying what Paul and Mark have been putting together. Um, this week I did have something uh, very special happen. I had the chance to meet Marina Certis, and I got an interview with her. Uh, the most random of places at the uh, caravan and motorhome show in manchester on thursday so uh, it was a bit of a strange place to meet her but i uh, took the opportunity by the horns and drove up there and i need to thank uh, my family leanne and the girls for uh, joining us on the trip up there it definitely helped uh, keep me sane uh, but it was well worth the trip and I actually bumped into uh, one of our old friends Mark, I bumped into Raul Davies so uh, he sends his love and uh, it was uh, really nice to uh, uh, to see him again it was uh, good he was up there with his uh, Starfleet uh, buds all in their uniforms so they were wearing their colours proud so it was great to bump into them Um, Just a couple of bits of feedback I haven't had a chance to listen to this week's podcast So please forgive me Um, However I did listen to uh, the show discussing Deep Space Nine And I uh, just wanted to make a few comments First of all Paul There is nothing wrong with comparing Deep Space Nine to EastEnders I love a good soap opera And uh, continuing storylines is definitely what Deep Space Nine does well (laughs) Also, um, how could neither of you have ever, ever played the TNG pinball game? That was my favourite pinball machine ever. I saw like three or four of them. They're brilliant, absolutely fantastic. If I, I'm trying to sneak together about a grand so that I can buy one. So, but it, um, yeah definitely well well worth trying to find one to play if you're on holiday, oh, they do sneak up every so often in the most random of places so uh, keep an eye out um, and I just hope that everybody's well, uh, thank you guys for filling in for us uh, and I'm going to try and figure something out, if Freya's sleeping habits don't change then I will address something to make it so that I can uh come back. Uh though though please uh do visit I'm starting a podcast which is gonna be just me talking absolute different stuff. Um I'll go more in-depth on it soon, uh, but please uh, visit wayneemery.com where you'll be able to see what I'm up to, and uh, also I know you guys might have listened to uh, the the two fitness programs that I've uh, put onto the feed, Um, that's going to be going onto my new RSS feed on wayneemery.com. so uh, just if anyone gives the slightest bit of a shit, please uh, visit us there. And it'll be great to uh, hear from you. So, uh, here is the interview that I uh, had with Marina Sirtis on Thursday this week. She was a lovely lady, and it's an absolute pleasure. And I can't thank all of the uh, Caravan and Motorhome uh, guys uh, enough especially the uh, Caravan Club who actually set up the interview so uh, thank you uh, to uh, Susie uh, Orton who uh, set that up uh, as well as uh, Maxine and uh, there was another lovely lady lovely blonde lady that um, uh, done a lot for us there so they were all very uh, hospitable and I can't thank them enough so here is my interview with Marina. Live long and prosper.
3: And now the guest of the week. The guest of
0: the week. The
1: guest of the week. Okay, so here we are speaking to the lovely Marina Curtis. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. The first question I have to ask is: you've probably been asked it a couple of times. Caravans. It's a bit random. <laughs> Listen,
0: you ask me to go somewhere, I'll show up, right? <laughs> Especially if it's a free trip to England. Yeah. Because this was this was this was ideal because I didn't have plans to come to England this year. So when Nikki asked me to come.
1: Yeah. It really was a treat, so... Was well, you stateside at the moment?
0: Yeah, I'm, I've been stateside for 25 years, yeah. yeah. So, so it's always a any, treat. any excuse to come home, yeah.
1: Excellent. And uh, did you actually, do you have quite a familiarity with caravans then, or is it just random? No,
0: it's not really. <laughs> apart from our lovely trailers, of course, on the set, which were yeah. caravans, Yeah, which actually, um, I had a flat in New York, and uh, our, our caravans at work were... Mm-hmm. I think my caravan was bigger and more luxurious
1: than my New York apartment. <laughs> Before I ask any Star Trek questions, um, I read that you're currently working, uh, going to be working on a project called uh, Unbelievable. Is that right? No, it's not actually. Ah, that's incorrect information. From yes, IMDb. it is. It is
0: incorrect information. That didn't work out. Ah. Uh, yes, but uh, okay. Michael. But Michael Dawn is in it actually there's a lot of Star Trek people in it yeah Um, I think some of the old ones like um, uh, uh, Celeste Yarnell and uh, Barbara Luna I think are Mm -hmm. in it and um, Keenig
1: seems to appear everywhere who? (laughs) Walter Keenig is Walter in it? I don't don't think Walter's in it I don't know but he seems to appear
0: everywhere no I don't don't think Walter's in it Um, yeah there's a few ex-Star Trek people in it um Kind of guest starring kind mm-hmm. kind of people, yeah.
1: Are you still doing a lot of voiceover work at the moment?
0: Not as much as I was, but um, to be honest, it's my least favorite form of acting. Mm-hmm. Um... So it doesn't really bother me if I'm not doing a lot of voiceover acting.
1: Because a lot of the uh, Trek actors do a lot of voiceover work. Yes. But I suppose it's so much harder to inflict any sort of emotion or get across any sort of story just from a script.
0: Well, it's it's actually um, a, a real art, I mm-hmm. think, voiceover acting. And I've never really been trained in it. Um, I've mm-hmm. been lucky to be to do the stuff that I've done. Um, but. Uh, I don't do voices, really. Mm-hmm. I do accents, not so much voices. Yeah. But I remember when we were shooting Gargoyles and we mm-hmm. had... It was basically a Star Trek reunion every week. <laughs> um, they had voice actors in there who just did voice acting. Mm-hmm. And the director would say something like, oh, I need an old, ma- an old Scottish man who talks like a dog who mm-hmm. can do that. And somebody would put their hand up and do this amazing thing. And I will go... How the
1: heck do they do that? So um It's a real art form. It is a real art form, yeah. And uh I have to say, other than Star Trek, I was pleasantly surprised because a couple of years ago I got into Without a Trace.
0: Oh, and you saw me in that yes,
1: too. Yes. It was fantastic done thank you done it's really good episode. Thank you, thank good. you. Yeah,
0: I do I do I do turn up as in in guest shots. I did Grey's Anatomy last year. Mm-hmm. Um I've done, you know, the closer with Kira Sedgwick. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I, I, it's nice to do.
1: I get some really nice parts in um, other people's shows now. Yeah, definitely. So with uh, Troy, it wasn't until. Disaster that she really had a chance to step up in any sort of command sort of phase. Right. Do you personally wish that Jellico had forced that uniform on her a little bit earlier on in the series?
0: Well, we only had him for one season, didn't uh, For yeah. one episode, it, I should say. And yeah. that was actually, that was Chain of Command, was yeah, it?
1: Yeah, it was. It Part was. One. But I was just saying, do you wish that maybe Troy had the chance to, to be... be in a
0: uniform before? Well, actually, um, yes, I do. Uh, the reason that I wasn't wearing one from the beginning was that I was actually a little bit, a few pounds overweight. And I just didn't, I know. That's
1: probably only by Hollywood terms. By
0: Hollywood terms, exactly. Um, I'm the fattest actress
1: in Hollywood, by the way. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, but uh, and
1: one of the skinniest in the building at the moment. So. <laughs> you
0: see, I know it it's makes no sense at all. But anyway, um, it was basically because I didn't look good in the space, so it didn't mm-hmm. suit me. So, um, but then I, they were on at me and on at me all, you know, over the, every five minutes to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. And so I had to, I had to lose weight
1: because it was really from that point when you got on the jumpsuit, the proper jumpsuit that. Your character just seemed to I know. turn around.
0: And it was weird. It was it was almost as if once they couldn't see her cleavage anymore, mm-hmm. they realized oh yeah, she's part of the crew.
1: We can actually write we, her. Yeah, into exactly. These she's
0: actually part of the crew with a proper job and she's been to Starfleet Academy, you know, so why you know, why yeah. not? I was very happy with being in a spacesuit,
1: yeah. to be honest. And with the uh, with the wharf relationship right at the end, for me personally it felt like the progression through the seventh season was quite natural, but then it was quite forced to push them together right, right. at the end. What was your feelings on that? Because obviously they would had the whole Riker arc all the way through. Right. Uh, I never, I never liked that Wolf and
0: no. Troy um, relationship. My opinion was that the producers have just seen Beauty and the Beast once too many times, and I didn't think it was very original. Yeah. Um, And also, Michael Dawn's my best friend over there. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of naff kissing your best friend. (laughs) It was really kind of... Oh, this isn't right. This isn't right. No, he's my best friend. He's like a brother to me, you know. So, no, it never felt normal or natural to me. Michael Dawn loved it, I have Mm -hmm. to say, because he'd been trying to get his lips on mine for seven
1: years. (laughs) But... uh... Well, on a similar note, uh, (laughs) when I spoke to Jonathan Frakes earlier last year, he, he, he did try to insist that the... Uh, bathtub scene was completely in the nude yeah
0: well (laughs) he would I mean I actually I actually was I actually the top half of me was yeah it was um, but uh, because obviously I couldn't have any bra straps or anything showing and we were sitting in a hot tub which Mm -hmm. they just kept like Aerating to make the bubbles, yeah, and so and because we were in it, we just stayed in it while they were lighting and stuff, and they would top it up with hot water. Did so we came out like it. prunes. We after? came out like prunes, but I but I realised at one point Jonathan's eyes were getting wider and wider <laughs> because the bubbles had subsided <laughs> and my girls were just floating on the top of the water. So I went, oh, oh, make more bubbles, make more bubbles. So
1: yeah. Uh, and obviously one of the constant jibes that you must get is you're the one that crashed the ship twice. Yeah, apparently... Well, the second one was under orders. Yeah, so I do...
0: I I, I know. I, I do say that. Old Baldy told me to crash the ship <laughs> in Nemesis, so I had to follow orders. But I do have a fan, Melissa... Uh, sorry, Megan. My fan, Megan. Um, she explained to me yeah. that... I didn't actually crash the, crash the ship. She explained you saved it, it. She she explained it in technical. I mean, I had no clue, but she explained it in technical terms that actually I didn't crash with it. But I have to say, that planet just came out of nowhere. All it right. The- <laughs>
1: It really did. You would have thought that there's plenty of space to avoid. I know, that
0: planet just came, honestly. It's like an old lady driving a car down the
1: road. There she was, out of nowhere. (laughs) uh, Speaking of your fans, there's been quite a um, push from some of your fans to try and get you on to Dancing with the Stars. Yes. And it didn't work. No. Are they going to try again for next season?
0: I don't know. I did hear a rumour that they actually don't like you promoting yourself to get on it.
1: So the more you keep stirring, yeah, the more
0: you're... Yeah, so, they, so now, I'm, my feeling is now, they know I want to do it, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I should do... I mean, it wasn't my campaign, my no, fans definitely did it, yeah, fans. my fans did it, but um, they're asking me again this year, do you, what, do you want us to do it again, and I'm not sure that I do, because it might be working against me rather than for me, so yeah. they all know I want to do it over there, so the problem yeah. is, it, it's chock-a-block with reality stars...
1: Unfortunately Unfortunately Yeah yes. it really is It
0: really is Because they're current You know mm-hmm. And uh, and reality is so big You could always come over For Strictly over I here I would rather do Strictly To be honest yeah. I, think, I think it's a better show <laughs> She said under bit, her breath Bit more upper class Well it's just more fu- I think <laughs> yeah. it's more fun Because yeah. we don't take ourselves As seriously as the Americans Oh it's all do. very tongue in cheek It's all very tongue in cheek here But over there It's like they're curing cancer For goodness sake <laughs>
1: So, and that's just one of the big differences. stateside. side, it's very literal.
0: Everything's very literal. You, you, irony
1: is lost on Americans generally. Do you find yourself getting into a lot of situations? I
0: do. I more, I found myself saying, "That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke." Because they don't, they think I'm being serious.
1: So, otherwise, everyone would just think um, that they you're. They think a I'm being
0: insulting everybody all the time. <laughs> yes.
1: So, what have you got? Many projects coming up in the next year?
0: Um, a few. A few. I'm very superstitious, though, so I don't talk about them until I've actually signed the contract. Yeah. So, But as you know, the fans will know about it instantly and the word will get out in a nanosecond.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's so many places reporting everything. Yeah. Yeah. So and we've got a really good guy as soon as he sees anything the whole world knows no,
0: well, see I don't even need a publicist anymore because I've got the fans it, it's very
1: much changed recently with the whole social media yeah. aspect of things yes so, not that I do social media because
0: I'm no. a total Luddite actually I, I hate think, technology I don't think you even need to though
1: well, but I don't. Everyone else does it for you.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> what I hate about technology is the fact that nowadays, because of the instant, it, yeah. the, the, the instantness—I yes. know that's not a word I just made up—of it, um, people expect you to be at their beck and call mm-hmm. when they want. Yeah. And I actually had this conversation with Lavar Burton because he's always telling me off that I never answer my cell phone mm-hmm. or my mobile, and I and I don't respond to my emails mm-hmm. promptly. Um, I do my emails in the morning, yeah, and then I close my computer and I don't go back to it till the following morning. Yeah. Uh, as for my As for my mobile, I've got um, my car's a stick shift. Yeah. So if I've got a phone in one hand and a st-
4: what am going What am I
0: going to steer with? Right. And also, um, I still have an old fashioned answering machine in my house so that I can screen my calls and talk yeah. to who I want
1: to talk to when I talk caller IDs of godsend
0: right so this thing of like I'm supposed to be available to the world 24 Mm -hmm. 7 just doesn't fly with me yeah it's like I will call you back when I feel like it you know or when I feel like talking to you or um, or I may not you know it's, mm-hmm. I just don't like being expected to be at everyone's beck and call all the
1: time. Yeah. Have you got any plans to do um, any conventions over here in Blighty?
0: Well, I actually met someone just a minute ago who asked me if I was available in July to come back to Manchester. Oh, that would be cool. So we'll see, maybe that yeah, may, so that might
1: happen. Cuz uh, you've very much more conventions in the Stateside. Only cuz they don't ask.
0: You. No, no, only because I'm um, they don't ask me to come. I mean, I don't just show up out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't just show up at the convention. Oh, I'm here. No, I mean, they, I'm invited. Yeah. You know, they haven't invited me to England for what two or three years
1: now. Well, that's awful. Especially considering uh, Star Trek London last year. You See, did... and
0: I wasn't there. No. Gates with bloody fadden, right?
1: <laughs> she wasn't there. Oh, either. she wasn't. Who no. was there? Uh, the only. Uh, Sir Patrick, Brent, Michael Dawn right. from TNG right. were there. So, yeah, no, it would have been lovely to I know, to have,
0: I know. I would have loved to come. Especially
1: I mean, after TNG's 25th.
0: Exactly. So, you know, you have to get onto the promoters in England because it's not me, it's them.
1: No, I'll, I'll they be have straight to, invite me. to Jill of Dubrow from Media okay. 10 to say this is what we need this year.
0: Exactly. Thank you
1: very much. I would greatly appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. God bless, sweetheart. Uh, it,
3: Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Marina Sirtis. I know I did.
4: Oh, so, it's brilliant.
3: It was. It was really good. It was re- really, really enjoyable. And um, I wish I could have been there, but, uh, well, you can't have everything.
4: Well, no, exactly. And, and let's hope again that she's at Star Trek London.
3: Yeah, let, let, let's hope so. I'd, I really would like to meet her. Now, it's time for the music section of the show. Let's go for it. <laughs> yes and welcome back to our new section uh the music of Trek with our good friend and family member Matt Warwick hello Matt how are you hi Mark hi everyone I'm oh, very well thank you mate good yourself yeah, yeah yeah not too bad not too bad at all so this is uh the second time we've done this new section proved very popular people uh, people did seem to like it which is yeah we got which some great news good feedback
2: in the forums about it which is good
3: yeah always always good so what have you got lined up for us this week then Matt?
2: Well, this week we're moving forward a few years from last week where we did the motion picture. We're going for Next Generation. Okay. Now, Next Generation for me is, it's got a special place in my heart as far as the whole Star Trek music goes. In fact, the first soundtrack album I ever bought was a Next Generation album. Oh I wow. Remember it clearly. I was walking through HMV with my parents. I must have been about 15 or 16 years old and I saw a Star Trek CD. I, I, at the time I didn't know you could get things like that. Um, and I saw it, and it was um, yesterday's enterprise unification and hollow pursuits. Okay, okay. Yeah. I talked my mum into buying that for me, and uh, I pretty much had it on repeat for the next month on <laughs> portable CD player, you know. But um, yeah, uh, the composer we're going to hear today is a guy called Ron Jones. Now I did talk yeah. about this guy on the Podathon. Yes. was the guy who got sacked because Rick Berman basically didn't like the music he was writing; it uh, was too flamboyant. Uh, Ron had an interesting um, musical background, actually, before he did Next Gen. He's also written music for Disney Cartoons. He did DuckTales and Dale oh, Rescue oh. Rangers as well. Yeah, Rescue I don't know if you wrote the theme, but I know he did a lot of the music for the, the episodes. Oh, right. And he actually, recently, he does the music for Family Guy. In oh, yeah. fact, yeah. Um, Seth MacFarlane actually got him to write the music for the um, episode where... Stewie calls Lois, uh, in asking him specifically to say, can you reference the stuff you used in Best of Both Worlds? Right. So, that's something we're gonna hear today. So, it's from part two. Um Ron also wrote the score for part one and Q Who as well. So basically, up to this point, all the Borg-themed music we'd heard yep. was by him. Um something to listen out to when you do hear this is you'll notice that the music does tend to change tempo quite drastically. That's A good example of how the action that is on the screen has to uh, affect the music that he's writing. He's got to make sure it all matches up. Yeah. So there'll be certain points where you'll hear and you'll know that that's when there's a scene change taking place. So I think it's about time we have a listen to that then, Mark.
3: Yep, let's give it a go. Then take your best shot, Locutus, because we're about to intervene. brilliant piece of music and it's just it i can just see every scene in your head and you're right when i was listening to it though as it changes pace i'm I, i'm imagining what's happening in, in each scene and you know there's bits where it's like scramble code riko one and uh that's it <laughs> yeah and uh, the you bit know, for att- me that attack, uh, beta and things like that yeah
2: yeah what i find the most distinctive is the bit about halfway through where um you, it's the bit where um Wharf and Data are taking off yeah. in the shuttle. Yeah. That's the bit that always sticks in my mind. But yeah, uh, yeah it's fantastic piece of music, and another, it's just another example of why Ron Jones is my favourite next gen composer.
3: Uh, it's good, and it's it's a real shame, I guess, that you know, Rick Berman obviously, as he said, took a, a disliking to him and decided to uh, to get rid of him because yeah, I mean, I, I love that piece of music. I like the music. Mm. I thought the music in Q Who was fantastic, and it had some real, you know, some really good pieces in there. So a real shame. Yeah.
2: There you go, that's what we got for you. Yeah, yes. But uh it's you say it is a shame, but it it does cause the music in Voyager and D S nine generally to for me I find it quite bland, whereas the T N G music the early seasons anyway, uh distinctive and it's much easier to pin down the episodes. That's why I tend to (laughs) give you stump the quizmaster ones from those from that sort of era because it's
3: it's, much easier to pin them down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Just cause you're 1-0 in the lead, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of that. Yeah I guess, uh, it's about time that we, uh, have our next quiz. Go um, on then. Just for the, yeah, just for the people who don't know, obviously this is where I quiz Mark. I play him a short section of music from a season 1-4 to four TNG episode. And it's his challenge to try and guess what episode it's come from. I do my very so best to guess it <laughs> sometimes.
3: <laughs> I've had more... Well, about even, I would say, wasn't it? Uh, we, we are even. We're dumb, even, though, yeah. Be, but... We are even, but...
2: Yeah.
3: OK, then, Matt. Let's go for it. First, you did you did warn me as we were recording this. Just listen to it all the way through because if you go with your first instinct, you might be wrong. And my first instinct was yeah. Encounter at Farpoint, um, but it's it's. I always say this, and I'll probably be wrong. It's probably season four, but it does sound like a very early one to me. I would say it's something like is that Haven from season one? Is that your final answer mark? Um, oh, I hate it when people ask me that. I start <laughs> to doubt myself. It is, it is reminiscent of Encounter at Farpoint, but I've had an Encounter at Farpoint question from you before. It yeah, doesn't mean that this is necessarily from Encounter. But I had that, and it was, you know, it was like, yeah, of course, when you heard it. Right, season one, season one. I'm gonna go. Am I gonna go for Haven? Am I gonna go for? I don't don't know why I'm thinking Haven. It's a rubbish episode.
2: It's not brilliant, I have to say. I'm gonna
3: go. I'm gonna go for Coming of Age,
2: from season one. Okay. Finally. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if you're right.
0: Sunday 41294.16. 41294.6 Or they can in the Terralian vessel on traffic. Question.
3: A strange combination of circumstances and causes a woman out of some of the imagination will be on the plane ship.
2: In case there's any doubt, everyone, that was Haven. Ah, no. I'm sorry,
3: Mark. (laughs) Because I I remember, because on uh, on the... Name that Trek a few weeks ago, I grabbed an audio clip from that episode. Hmm. And it it was only a fairly short one. And that's probably where I'd heard that, because I hadn't watched the episode in a long time, because it's pretty rubbish. Um, And that's probably where I've heard of it. And that's probably why
2: Haven popped into my head. Ah, no! Oh, I think... Sometimes it's best to go with your first instinct, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. I mean, that was written by the same guy, uh, Dennis McCarthy, who did the pilot, so that's why the, the same, um, first part of the music is the same. Yeah, if you listen to the first music we're hearing, um, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah,
3: if you listen to the first sort of 10 seconds or so, you'd, you'd easily think Encounter at Farpoint, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. Oh well, it's, uh, 2-0 to you, Matt. Congratulations.
2: Yay, We've got plenty of time to catch up, mate, don't we? Yeah, okay.
3: So, uh, thank you for that, Matt. Enjoyable as always. So, no would you problem. like to, uh,
2: tell all the listeners how they can uh, get hold of you? Yes, uh, you can contact me on Twitter. I'm at QB, that's QB IE. And you can also, uh, reach me on the Trekmate forums if you just, no, if you just reach, make a comment about uh, this week's show. And, uh, if you do find, uh, have any musical suggestions to make for future episodes, just leave them there or, Drop me a line on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you very much, Matt.
3: And now it's time for this. Time for the trek off -off. -off. Yes, and it is time for the trek off. Now Paul isn't here. But uh, Michael and I have decided to uh, face off against each other in the trek-off. So, this week's questions are themed around, of course, Star Trek Voyager. So, Mike, since you're the guest, you can choose who gets the first question, me or you?
4: Um, I'll take the first question. I'll have a go. take the
3: question. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done, sir. Well. OK. In the episode, time and again, what type of energy was used which destroyed all life on the planet? It's a very early Voyager episode.
4: Could I have that again? Sorry.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's quite a long question. In the episode, time and again, what type of energy was used, which destroyed all life on the planet?
2: This is immediately
3: post-pilot. First episode. Uh, No, sorry, third episode following the
4: pilot. Wow, that was a long time ago. Eighteen years ago, mm. I'd like to say nuclear or something, but it's not going to be nuclear. Um, it's not going to be antimatter. That's too. That's too obvious. Um, oh dear! Is it antimatter? It's normally antimatter, isn't it? Um, normally, it's normally antimatter, isn't it? Because I remember there's terrorists in the episode.
3: Yeah, but remember the, Remember, Voyager is the. Series of techno babble, so yeah. they make something up, don't they?
4: Yeah. Oh, it's be... So oh, it's not. Yeah. It's
3: not. I'll give you a clue. Yeah. It's not going to be the obvious one like antimatter because it's a it's a techno babble, something
4: oh, that dear. someone
3: some something
4: someone's made up. Oh dear. Um. Hold on, let me think. I'll. I'll... Do you know what's sticking in my head? Polar like as in polar bear but i can't think um, <laughs> polar bear energy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, polar bear energy. <laughs> even that's too much techno babble no um oh, no no i can't all i know pose something plow pose something no no I, i'm gonna say no to that i'm better it's on the tip of my tongue
3: you're really really close you're oh. really close it's polaric
4: oh dear. So polar
3: polaric energy oh. you are so close i'm almost tempted to give that to you but i'm not oh. going to but that was really close you know you 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 were getting there you were getting there
4: oh thank you so
3: okay go on then do your worst
4: okay name name one of the three name sorry name name the three other children borg children other than Echep. oh all of them uh two out of three i think that's fair oh dear i can't remember any
3: of them other than Echep. oh bloody hell uh, so, oh
4: dear. there's the twin boys and there was the little girl there
3: was the little girl and the twin boys oh dear because they were in about
4: they're in quite a few. Uh, they're in quite a few episodes. and
3: They're in a few and then they slowly sort of disappeared, do not they? That's
4: right. They all, all left. and I they think the last time they were all together was the haunting of Deck 12 and I think quite soon after that they left.
3: Yeah, they all went off onto their own um,
4: planets. Yeah, and their
3: own planets. They managed to uh, you know, send them back to where they came from. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one.
4: I'm not even going to try to um, sing stomp, 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 stomp,
3: stomp, stomp. Um, oh, I, I'm i going to have to give up on this one. I really don't have any idea. I really can't remember much about those kids at all. Oh. It's a oh. long time since I've done a Voyager rewatch, so no, no, you're going to have to give that one to We've me. We've
4: got Mizzotti, which is the girl, Azan, and Rebby, or Rebby. Oh. Seen as um if she could hear me now, she's mostly screaming at my pronunciations. But um, yeah, snug
3: mode will be engaged if she knew those because I, I didn't. I don't really remember those Borg children very well. I remember each, but not those at all. So, oh well, okay, well we're nil nil each. So time for your second question.
4: Oh, here we go.
3: Name the alien woman who falls in love with Tuvok when he and Paris are stranded on a planet.
4: Oh, 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 stra- oh! I was almost about to say alter ego, then, but no, he's stranded on a planet. Oh no! Oh, the, uh, oh yeah, no! You,
3: I thought you might, because uh, the alter ego was um, on the Delta quadrant, uh, on the Delta quadrant a couple of weeks ago.
4: Yeah, and I was thinking straight away, I thought alter ego, and yeah. and the straight away the, the picture of her face came into mind. But no, I know who you mean. Yeah, and because um, they have to leave her at the end, and it's really quite you know Vox upset in some ways yeah they,
3: they have to eat those spiders can you remember that they have to yeah. eat down these Ugh. huge horrible spider looking things
4: and and doesn't time go really slow there as well doesn't it yes, or is it is the other way
3: it's one of the two
4: yeah, yeah it's, it's one, one of the two. two
3: Yeah, time moves in a different direction
4: I'm just waffling because I can't think of the answer <laughs> you, but,
3: you're, <laughs> just, you're just trying to kill time aren't you I,
4: I'm just trying to show let, let the listeners know I do know something about Voyager just not the answers yeah. <laughs> No, no, I, no! I think you've got me again. You've got me again. I can't think, but I know I can see her face, you, but I can't you know see her.
3: That. And she was in something else, and I, I'm, I'm, trying to rack my brain to find out what else she was in. I'll have to look it up on Memory Alpha and and work out what else she was in. Her name was Nos.
4: Oh, the woman with a
3: sh- very short dark hair.
4: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I saw see, the face.
3: I've seen her in something else, and I'm not sure what it is. we'll so have to actually look yeah. that up and see what else she was in. Oh dear should have should a very funny accent
4: yeah it was not not squeaky but it was a bit high it was high pitched wasn't it yeah. not squeaky squeaky but yeah oh dear yeah, so the,
3: the thing i remember most about that was them hunting down those big crab spider things yeah they'd eat, they'd, 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 these horrible things and you are thinking, oh god i've got to eat them and I'll, i'm not a fan of spiders generally but ugh, the thought of eating those things was um
4: yeah no, not pleasant no <laughs> um So next question, what is the name of the episode where the doctor meets another hologram on a ship with no crew and and tries to help him?
3: That is. That's message in a bottle.
4: Oh, it's not. It's revulsion. The episode revulsion. Do you remember that one?
3: I don't remember that one. Yeah. hang on a minute, repeat the question
4: he meets sorry, the uh, unless my question's too vague what is the name of the episode where the Doctor meets another hologram on a ship with no crew and tries to help him and I think Balan is with him too revulsion Oh. yeah, do you remember? because he's yeah. a bit schizo, isn't he? He,
3: he? he's a lunatic hologram and he, yeah. wants, to, he wants to kill all of the humans because they're dirty and filthy that's so right. A nice performance by that actor as well he, he's such oh, an yeah. sort of evil hologram
4: it's quite twisted, isn't it?
3: He is, he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one.
4: Oh. oh we're not doing well here, are we? Nil no, nil.
3: <laughs> nil nil. Nil nil. Okay, right. Okay. Your third question. I think you might get this one.
4: Oh, hopefully.
3: Name the inspector from the Devore Imperium with whom Janeway had a. And I want to say fling, but a possible fling. She had a little bit of a thing going on with him i wasn't quite sure how to phrase
4: it yeah and we were do you know what's really annoying we were talking about this episode on 10 forward
3: yeah counterpoint is the yeah exactly the episode Uh, that's not a clue by giving you the episode it's from
4: no i knew i knew the episode i just couldn't think of oh dear um i see his face because he wore black and then he then he you know you didn't know who would seduce to it's a great episode oh it is isn't it it's it's just like that um who's playing who sort of thing
3: yeah definitely
4: oh no
3: and you can't think of his name I, I
4: can't i see again i see the face but i don't i don't see the name and um i can remember most of the episode oh dear um
3: there's a, i'll give you a little clue oh gone. there's a star wars link there
4: Star Wars link.
3: There's a Star Wars link. His name is... has a Star Wars related uh, link to it.
4: Oh, dear. Um, um, oh, let me think about this. Kashik. Kashik. Sorry, I don't know if I pronounced it right. It's, it's epic. a
3: you're right. It's Kashik because, of course, Kashik was the Wookiee homeworld. It's Ka- yeah. Kashik or Kashik is called. Yeah. Yeah. Kashik was the Wookiee homeworld. Well done, Mike.
4: Oh, I got one. <laughs>
3: you Got one. Nice one. You're in the lead. Damn it.
4: Oh dear. Okay, this one. You might. You should get this. Actually, I think you should get this. I think I've made this too easy. Um, one of DS Nine's recurring characters directed two episodes of Voyager. Who was it?
3: Oh, a DS nine recurring character, um, Andrew Robinson.
4: Oh yes, I think I gave it away by saying you would get this. So Andrew, um, Andrew Robinson,
3: I did. I yes. didn't know which ones he directed, and that was a clue because you know, you know, Garrick's one of my favourite characters.
4: Uh, and could you name the episodes?
3: Oh, blimey, um, I couldn't off the top of my head.
4: Oh, so were... i So this question. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I'll, I'll tell them anyway. They were unforgettable and Blood Fever.
3: Unforgettable. Blood. Which one? Which one's unforgettable?
4: Do you know? I have to check now because all I did was write down the. Um... Uh,
3: uh, you just waited. <laughs> I, I did
4: Blood Fever because that's the one where Balana sort of goes through um, Ponfar.
3: Yeah, that's next up on the. Oh yes, I remember that one. Yeah, I know that one with the. Uh, Kota meets a woman who claims that they fell in love. Yes. Yeah, I've just had a look on Memory Alpha, yeah.
4: So, all good fun. Oh, there you go, 1-0. I think that's a nice way to... I think I think that's a nice... It's a nice
3: yeah. draw, isn't it? It doesn't count yeah. towards the overall Trek-Off score, score because it's basically the three of us together. But that, that's a nice way to, uh, to round that up, isn't it?
4: No, definitely. So, so,
3: Mike, as you're the guest, it is the tradition on TrekMate for the winner of the Trek-Off to uh, sign off the show. But since you're the guest... Would you like to do that?
4: Well, yeah, and that's TrekMate.
3: You've been listening to the TrekMate
0: Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit
3: trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before.
1: Make it so.
2: Prepare to attack, all-hands battle station. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this.
0: All I ask is a tall ship and a
2: star to steer by.
0: I don't want excuses, I want answers.
2: Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone?
3: How do you think that
2: tells me about your character?
3: Captain's log, start date 3541.9. Program complete.
2: Enter when ready.